Welcome to Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself. And revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email. Our email is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Love seeing that inbox active there, so please go ahead and send us something over brief or lengthy you want to make it. We'd love to see that. Our social media is also a great place to get in contact with us. That's at Best Picture Cast. Be it on Twitter X, be it on Instagram, Letterbox. we got going. Wherever you want to DM us, you go ahead and, and do so. And we're back. Back on the beat here in Season 5. We're getting settled in in our second episode here. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we're working the streets here at Best Picture Cast. We're getting comfortable and getting settled in with our cold cup of coffee to talk about a 1970s Best Picture winner. And with me, I have two gentlemen who swear to me after long and intense interrogation, they have never picked their feet in Poughkeepsie. Let's start with you, Jay Dowski. You're on a nice little run here. Yes. Oh, man, I feel good. Good to be back. I love I love being here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love having you, man. Well and said. Uh, you know, last last episode, you won your way onto with the thing, uh, a great episode. Me, you and Grant uh, dug away at that one. Good, good stuff there. We got some nice feedback on that. And uh, our other guy we got here is uh, someone who's spent some mileage here at Best Picture Cast. He's been here since the very first day. He's Artie B. Artie. I don't even get nervous before these anymore. Oh, I'm just that's like, good. I'm just like ready to go. That's good, you know. We're we're approaching our our fourth anniversary eventually. That'll be in in February. So we're uh, we're we're past the fourth anniversary of when we first recorded it. We recorded it in you know end of World Series. The World Series just ended here. The Texas Rangers are winners now. But back in World Series 2019 was the first episode. So you know what I'm talking about, though, right? You see yeah. a little bit of butterflies before, but now it's just we're ready. Ready we're to go, man. Ready to tackle another one. I love it. It's I called it. having no shame. <laughs> it's taking I've, a little while to shake that off of us you know? I've, I've lost my shame <laughs> here i am now so that last that episode uh jay was the thing and he um you know a, a week later or so any thoughts wrapping that thing up there i did i was nervous uh doing the thing i was nervous after the thing and i uh, was explaining to you you know it's such a cult classic that you want to do it right, to, mm. especially to all the fans and to um, um, how big it is. And after listening to the episode, I remember texting you. I said, I think we did, I, we did all right. I'm not as nervous as I was. I think we did it justice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is a movie that has a ton of fans. And I actually had this past week had a, um, had a local listener approach me. Uh, someone I know. It wasn't like a Travis Bickle situation where you know, he had like a mohawk and a, a revolver. He came up to me and, uh, and was like, oh, you know, I'm so pumped the thing won. He was voting for it and rooting for it the last time around, two years ago, when it was in the mix. And he was super bummed that when it lost in that. So when it won in this one, he was fired up. He listened to the episode of Suit came out and he, and he said we did a great job and he, he dug it. So it's yeah. always great, great hearing that stuff too. Well, I feel like the thing... The the fan reaction after it won was the biggest we've gotten out of mm. any movie in the tournaments winning. I yeah. saw a lot of comments on Twitter being like, "Yes, there were some celebrations, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> celebratory posts." Yeah, love to see that. Today we are not talking horror. We're kind of back more on the action beat with things. We have William Freakin, the late William Freakin, who just passed away this past year. The French Connection here from 1971. This is one that I have certainly been excited to cover from the beginning. I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it today. The cinematographer died this year, too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I Googled him today to see what his name was. I don't remember it, but I saw he died this year. Wow, we lose them both in the same year. What's, that's, a, that's a shame. That's a freaking shame. Yeah, damn. So I, I guess I want to kick around and get what your guys' first experiences are with the French Connection. But first, let's you know, let's not waste any time here. Let's talk about what we're drinking for this long, daunting surveillance that we have here today. Uh, Jay, I'll, I'll go with you first, because I think you're, you're leading us in class today. <laughs> I am drinking a French wine, a Bordeaux from Bordeaux. I thought I got to get something French. I have been on a bit of a wine kick lately, so what was better than going in and just picking a French wine to drink tonight? I love it. Yeah, it adds a different vibe to it. I mean, let me tell you that. I've had a couple of uh, the Godfather episodes I was oh, sipping nice. on the wine. So. Very nice. And I have some Godfather thoughts, I think, here in this one, too, that I'm excited to share a little later. Because the 70s is a, is a super fascinating decade of film to talk about. And uh, this, is, this movie's very much kicking it off. Uh, RDB. We're going with the Six Point Brewery Bengali IPA. This is a really awesome craft beer. It's 6.6%. Nothing crazy. Uh, I'm eventually going to switch over to some Heineken's I have left over from Oktoberfest. Also New York City beer. So you're right in the... Uh, yeah, Brooklyn. Right in the boroughs there, which is where this movie takes place. A lot of the uh, that that L train takes off in right, right in Brooklyn. So good stuff there. Yeah, that bar that uh, they go to to scout out that table is actually Six Point Brewery. That's not true. <laughs> nice try. Nice way to sell it. Uh, yeah. So uh, already been, what's the last time we had you on one of these? One of these, uh, what, a podcast? Yeah. Feels like it's been a little while. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, I don't even know, man. Yeah, probably the, the rankings, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I think it's the rankings. Before that was uh, in the heat in the heat of the night. Right? In the heat Jay, of the night. There for that. that and good. I believe this is our first time the three of us are doing a pod together. Now, we've done it with a fourth several times. We've had Grant Z in the mix for Lion King. We've had Brendan B in the mix for A Beautiful Mind. It was the three of us and Joey for Parasite. It was the three of us and Chris for A League of Their Own. And it was the three of us and AJ. Quite the memory. Have been, have been there. Well, I did prepare a little he bit. He wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's one didn't of my write it down. Jay's one of my favorite co-hosts to, uh, to be on an episode with. 
He's. I think. I feel like he's everybody's favorite. He's I, like the. Uh, he's <laughs> like the. He's like the BPC build a bear. We all like have him with us to, to coach us along. I. I think. Uh, you know. You might be the best co-host. Like, <laughs> yeah. Objectively. So if you like what you're hearing today, you can check out any of those episodes. Or if uh, this starts to head south, maybe steer away from those and hear some of our other uh, wonderful hosts there. But Avoid me. We'll, yes. We'll yes. do our best. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking today. I uh, was just upstate this past weekend for a friend's birthday. And believe it or not, I was up by Poughkeepsie. Uh, it was more in the New Paul's area. But they had a, a bunch of breweries up there. And this was a, a small local brewery they had here called uh, the Rough Cut Brewing Company. And one of the kind of fun things they do there is they can anything that's on tap. They can can it right there for you. You just let them know what it is. They get it in there and they seal it right in the can. Give it to you to go. Took about 10 minutes and it's good to go. So I got a couple of those here. I have the Don't Turn Away IPA. It's a 7.2. Uh, brewed and canned by Rough Cut Brewing Company. And that, uh, the town name here is Kerhunkson, New York. Right, it's right outside uh, SUNY New Paltz. Just like when they're tailing someone, can't turn away, you'll, you'll lose them. That's right. There you I go. could find something. Very nice. Um, that is called a crowler, a uh-huh, can growler. Yes, a crowler. That is the term they use there. You're very good, Arnie. You got, you're on your game. You're on your game here today. It actually says the crowler. I had no idea what can. was going to happen when I opened it, but it looks pretty good, and we're... Showing some uh, some that's, nice life there. That's girthy, man. How it many is. ounces it is, is that? Yeah, 32-ouncer. So that's what we're drinking here today. Jay, I'm going to start with you, my friends. What is your earliest experience with the French Connection? What did you know about it coming into this project? Well, I'll be honest with you. I watched it uh, a couple of years ago, and I don't didn't remember it. I think I may be getting too old, or I don't know. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I see movies, and I totally I know that I like them, but I don't remember what uh, really what they were about or specific scenes. I definitely didn't remember the ending of this film somehow, so I needed to rewatch this again. So I coming into it, I had to rewatch it twice last weekend, and uh, got a got a clear picture of um, what I how I feel about this film. Yes, and Artie, how about you? My earliest experience with this movie was this past Saturday. Ah, first watch. First watch. Um, made my wife watch it with me. Yeah, it's easy to sell an hour, 40-minute movie. It is, definitely. Uh, that was my first experience. My second experience was today. Did you know anything about the movie coming in? Would uh, you, what, I, I, were you, what were you prepared to see before I, you started? All I knew was that it was like a simple crime drama you knew hackman was in it you knew yeah. it was a gene hackman movie you know? i knew hackman only i did not know roy scheider was in it i should mention that chris g was was supposed to be with us here today uh disappointed he can't have him in the mix he was feeling a little under the weather uh, i am drinking out of this nice uh, new gift he got me here with all the different horror figures and uh, i think it's more designed for coffee but hey we're going to use it for beer here tonight we got a little chucky a little jigsaw a little pinhead uh michael myers jason you know freddie freddie Pennywise. scream Ghostface. Pennywise, yeah. So we got uh, Chris here in spirit. I have an interesting history with this film. When I was at the young age of trying to figure out that I wanted to do this in middle school or so, and I saw the uh, list of films, it would have been in the whatever, back then it was Almanacs, not uh, not in internet here, the late, late 80s. Uh, the late 80s, Jesus. The late 90s. <laughs> I, was showing my, I was showing my parents the, uh, the list. And they were kind of looking at which ones could have been, you know, appropriate for a, you know, a 13-year-old. And this was the one that they kind of circled and rented for us at uh, whatever the local video store was at the time. So this was, other than the, the ones I saw in their natural state, like Farscump and Titanic, 
this was the first Best Picture winner I had ever seen. So, uh, nice. yeah, when I was in eighth grade. Now, I... That you knew was a Best Picture. That was specifically... I watched it because it was it a was, Best Picture. This was the Very start, nice. this was the start nice. of the this mission. This was the start of it, yes. When I was in middle school, I had already seen... At that point, I had already seen Titanic in the theater when it came right. out, and Forrest Gump when it had come out. But this was the first one I said, all right, I'm watching a Best Picture winner, and it's going to be the French Connection. Now... Believe me, I watched it again. I didn't count that as a watch because you, that's so early. It doesn't, you know, I, I remembered absolutely nothing about it. This was one that I revisited again there, more toward the later end of the list. And have uh, I, I bought this copy of the DVD that we have in front of us here in March of 2020 or February 2020 when I was down in, in Arizona visiting a friend, the last trip before things got a little complicated in, in the world. And I had bought this for the pod because the pod had just launched or was just preparing to launch. And I said, all right, I have this for when we covered the French Connection and hadn't opened it until uh, the other day when I threw it on. So this is well-traveled here and, and ready to come here for this episode here today. May I handle it? Yeah, absolutely. Take a look at it, flip it around, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah so... It's got that plastic film over it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been, since we started this, super excited to talk about this film. And Artie, like you mentioned, those sub-two-hour movies, it just makes everything different. You know, the preparing... Uh, the the note taking it's real just it's a lot easier when the runtime's a little shorter there so and I know we all like to do a little second watch so it makes that second watch better too absolutely yeah absolutely <laughs> just just in in planning your day with the hours you know but yeah uh, okay so Artie you know first first reactions here this was a first watch for you give me some opening thoughts on the French Connection I was underwhelmed my first watch I was. Impressed early on. It started off very cool. I liked a lot of elements of it. Cinematography is excellent. It felt like it was a movie and not a film. And the ending left me really wanting more. Mm. All right. So we're going to have uh, gonna have some different thoughts here in this one. Jay, I'm going to uh, kick it over to you next. Kind of in intro thoughts here for French Connection. Uh, after the first watch, I said, wow, that ending. <laughs> um, and then after reading that that credits, the pre-credits post-movie where, he, you know, it's like the Sandlot, you know, every, mm -hmm. you're telling yep, what yep, happened. Yep. And, I, and then you see how, how it all went down afterwards in the aftermath that makes you, it made me more interested in wanting to watch it a second time because you realize this is a true story um, based on a true story. And it's it was an interesting, a very interesting true story. And I mm. thought um, that uh, this movie, um, I wanted to I wanted to watch that 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 second time to see just how it was portrayed again, knowing all the things I knew about the true the the real life true story. Yeah, uh, for me, hopping into this now for the third time, I, I I really every time I watch this movie, kind of feels like a first watch. You know, and I don't necessarily know whether that's a compliment or is a mark against it, because there is, you know, Jay, you said yourself you didn't remember it much, and I kind of find the same thing every time I watch this movie. I there's, I really don't remember it. It doesn't doesn't imprint itself on my brain. But in kind of analyzing it and, and looking with, with a, a closer eye, I think there's a style of filmmaking there which isn't in line with what we're accustomed to viewing. As, as regular viewers and there is a style it's a very stylized film and he's doing something very specific 
And when we get in in the mode of watching films a certain way, that can get lost on you a little bit. And I think it was lost on me, even when I was kind of viewing it the first time this time around. It's tough to go from 2023 or even the last 10 years of films and, and watch any old film. You know, you have to reset your brain a little yeah. bit and re- and and put your your brain for, for in this case in 1971 and kind of think about um you know the things that they're doing are newer things you know it's yeah. not an old it's an old film to us but it was new when it was being done so yeah. you kind of gain a little more appreciation i don't know that it's just old like it's the old is the issue you know i, I think there is a very specific style of filmmaking going on here oh yeah and, and he it's says just it. not at all what the modern viewer looks for in a film today this is the opposite of dopamine you know this is the opposite of of uh, you know keep me you know on the edge of my seat let's let's binge watch what's happening next i can't wait to see what's happening this is surveillance this is sit back sit with the uh, investigators and live in it and try to observe what's going on around you and we talk about exposition in movie and we talk about voiceover in movie and this is whatever that is this is the opposite this is they're not telling you anything there right. was one quick exposition voiceover there, it, scene with Roy Scheider laying out some characters, but it because I think it was almost it. like I have to tell them something because <laughs> otherwise it. we're like, what is going on here? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they make you sit with these guys and live the case right. and, and get a feel for what it's like to put this thing together. I do. What I like about it is that it, is that it's on purpose. You know, from William Freakin's point of view, it's this is what he was going for. That you kind of just stumbled into the scene. Um, you know, he talks about having it. Blew, it blew my mind listening to some of the stuff he talks about during this film, and when he talks about different scenes of the film, he said the cameraman didn't know where the actors were going to be walking throughout the scene. <laughs> so he just has this cameraman just go. He goes, "Okay, just follow whoever you want in this scene. If somebody gets up, starts walking." You have to make the choice. Do you follow that person who's walking, or do you stay on the the two people who are, you know, having a conversation? And I and the fact that that was on purpose is just incredible. I have a feeling the editor is the hero of this movie. He definitely spoke very highly of the editor, and we'll you know we're going to get into all the bit players here in, in a second. Uh, but just to just to give you a little uh, a, a little um, idea of who the editor was is he edited Apocalypse Now and Kramer versus Kramer in the same year and got nominated for both. <laughs> so, uh, he was so, up against himself at the Oscars for those two movies. Well, I, uh, uh, it's a good, intui- good intuition there, if I may. Yes. So and, and I didn't I, win, by the way. Didn't I, win. I will say the um, big strength this movie has, and it was something that stood out to me immediately, and it's my favorite part of the movie, is is the, the craftsmanship, the way the movie, mm. the, the score is phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. And whenever they choose to use it and don't choose to use it it mostly works there's a scene where they should have used it i thought but they didn't the way the camera is so rugged it feels like you're on the ground it feels like you're far away watching someone voyeuristic uh feelings with the the long zooms also the way the characters when they're following each other there's a lot of the movie is storytelling with not a lot of dialogue. It's, no. it's really, that's what I'm talking about. The editor, like, really might have, this might be his masterpiece. This is, I mean, he has other good movies, obviously. I didn't know that, but this is phenomenal. Like, Yeah, and I, I'm, we're going to definitely get into a lot about the screenplay and, and what it won for and all that, because there really was not 
a script in this yeah. thing. There was Incredible. literally that wasn't blew a my script. Mind. You could tell that, a lot yeah, of this mind. shit's improvised. Yeah, I mean, most of it is. But, Roy Scheider is very you know, good at that. I mean, for me, this movie has you know, and, and listen, I I love me some old Hollywood, and I love the magic of Hollywood and and the sets and the MGM of it all, and and I, I'm I'm a sucker for that. But that being said, there's something really. Man, uh, there's something really special about watching a movie this feral, you know. That's just it's just like a like an alley cat running down the street, and you're just like, whoa! This is there's no Metro Goldwyn and Meyer here. There is no, you know, there is no Mickey Mouse, man. This is this is the streets of New York, and we're just press play, you and know. The, and the beautiful contrast of France. All oh, the yeah. shots of France, like mm. it was, it was like they're in a meeting. He's getting driven on, a, he's getting ferried on a boat to a castle to meet yeah. the hitman and the other guy, the celebrity that's going to do the trafficking. Yeah. Just super. The scenery throughout the movie is phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into this uh, any deeper here, was, we're already uh, we're already off off, to, <laughs> off on the run here. Let me add him. We got to take that deep dive back to the year nineteen seventy one, and yes, when the French Connection was the Best Picture winner in 1971. The U.S. president was Richard M. Nixon. And the name of the game in 1971 was Inflation. The president instituted what was known as the Nixon Shock, a series of regulations in response to the increasing inflation, the most significant of which were wage and price freezes, surcharges on imports, and the unilateral cancellation of the direct international convertibility of the U.S. dollar to gold. So the dollar and gold canceled. They're not. They're not together anymore. Uh, that was uh, from 1944 to 71. Essentially, that had been how currency was dictated. Now it's oil. Uh, <laughs> the Nixon shock was widely considered to be a political success, but an economic failure for bringing on the 1973 to 1975 recession. All of our financial and political historians out there, who I may have just awakened from your uh, respective slumbers, that information was retrieved directly from Wikipedia. So if you didn't like any of it, feel free to log on and change it. Uh, you well, can I actually go ahead wrote and... that on Wikipedia. <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about something more important here, and that's the 1971 World Series. That's right. Hell and yeah. Jay, I don't know if you looked into this, buddy, but it's a good day for you, my friend. <laughs> We are I think that came later, actually. <laughs> that is the later one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jay here is a big Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and this would be the year of the Pirates. So right an episode after we have the Celebrate Jay in the Horror Fest tournament, we celebrate his favorite team, the Pirates, in 1971, ending any hope for any sort of Yankees season five streaks. We're not going to have that. The Pittsburgh Pirates defeated the defending champion Baltimore Orioles in a seven-game series. And like, uh, just like many expected the multi-time champion Grant Z to win the Horror Fest, the defending champion Baltimore Orioles were heavily favorites to repeat. But as Jay claimed victory in Horror Fest 4 with the thing, so too did the Pirates, led by the great, the late great Puerto Rican star Roberto Clemente. It's a beautiful A thing. legend. Beautiful thing. A true legend, yes. Whose um, victory is... More impressive, mine or the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> to be determined, yeah. We'll Leave see. that to Wikipedia. See how history remembers that. Yeah. <laughs> In what would be his final World Series appearance, the 37-year-old Clemente would become the first ever Latin American player to win the World Series MVP. He hit 414, reached base 16 times already, 16 times in seven games. 
So if you're good at math, you'll know that he was on base more than two times a game, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're put not good at math. Together. <laughs> Sounds like you're not good at math. <laughs> yeah, you put the numbers together. That's how you do addition. Very good. Yeah. So I am good at it. You know, I didn't screw it up. 16 times in, in seven games. In seven games, yeah. yeah. It's more than two times a game. It is. Yeah. See? I'm schmott. I can I do know things. things. <laughs> I can do things. I can do math. I, I, I want respect. The Pirates won game seven in Baltimore, two to one behind the Clemente solo home run and a strong outing by rookie righty Steve Bless. Oh, cool. Okay. I was wondering if I was going to get anyone else I could use for immaculate grid from this information other than Roberto Clemente. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve Bless, like Roberto Clemente, was a lifelong pirate, so you're not going to be able to use him uh, unless unless it's the uh, all the career with the pirates. He's yeah, a pitcher? A thing. He's a and pitcher. it's B-L-A-S-S? B-L-A-S-S. Cool. Yeah. Got it. Now, Jay, a little trivia question for you here. Mm-hmm. Who was the pirates manager? I'll give you a, a hint. It's uh, in line with a character in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Riggs! Not Riggs. Murtaugh? Danny Murtaugh was the <laughs> Pirates manager there for that one. Uh, Hall of Famers for the Pirates included Roberto Clemente, Bill Mazeroski, and Willie Stargell. Scribbling for Immaculate <laughs> <laughs> For the Orioles, Hall of Famers Jim Palmer, Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, who I think passed away this past year too, and uh, manager Earl Weaver. Are we ready for uh, the number one Billboard song here? Yes. Okay, I think we all know this one. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Do, do, do. It is Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. I think that is one of Chris's least, I might, I might be wrong, but I think it's one of his least favorite songs of all time. Like, I feel like that song's come up a few times and he gets like, like viscerally angry. I mean, it's not good. Yeah, but I mean, if you know that you you're one to get viscerally angry when songs come out, you know what we're talking make, about. That it. doesn't make me angry. But it's I'm letting you a, know it does for him. So well, it's, it's probably a, good that he, he skipped out here. Today. There are fewer things that don't make him viscerally angry than <laughs> do. So fair, fair point. Uh, yeah, so that's what people were rocking out to in '71. Here are some of the other songs, and I got a good list here. This is a, a great year in music. Here, but we'll let I guess RDB and what has become to be known as his "Get Off My Lawn." Music segment. We'll let him determine whether they uh, really are worthy or not. We have first here, I think, an RDB friendly artist. Rod Stewart had two big hits this year. Yes, you're nodding your head. Yes, yes. Uh, Maggie May and Look to Find a Reason to Believe. They were the joint number twos of the year. We had Country Roads by the great John Denver. John Denver's RDB approved. He's giving these it, are good songs. Okay, yeah, these are big time songs. I'm a big good. '70s person. Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. That song is. Fucking terrible. Oh, God, there it is. Jeez. God, it oh, sucks. Lord. I hate it. Oh, oh my, my God. Busted it's, it's flat like Baton Rouge. It's like she's doing out-of-key yodeling throughout. It's it's nauseating, to be frank. I'd rather shotgun a, a can of chicken noodle soup called... <laughs> well, there it is, Oz. You got... Uh... <laughs> Knock Three Times by Tony Orlando. These are all great songs. Yeah, great songs. That's I agree. It's great music. It's Too Late by Carol King. Mm. Mm. How's that t- one go? It's too, too late, baby. No, it's too late. Wow, you two no, just right on the <laughs> That was awesome. You're flat. Step brothers. You're coming in flat. <laughs> uh, a, little, a little love to, uh, to Tom Jones, not the movie, but the artist. Uh, She's a Lady. Oh, yeah. In the mix oh, there. Yeah. Mr. Big Stuff by Gene Knight. Who do you think you are? <laughs> a lot of, lot of cocaine in the 70s. <laughs> no chance anyone's going to uh, have any issues with this one. Bill Withers' Ain't No Sunshine, one of the greatest songs 
ever made. Probably one of the best songwriters in the history of Earth. Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? No complaints there. Nope. But I have to end on an RDB high note here. You want to read it out there, Artie? You see the note? Ooh, brown sugar. <laughs> Do you taste so good? Uh, it's the Rolling Stones. You can't say the second the second uh, stanza of that little uh, line right there because it's not appropriate anymore. Not a, not a Rolling Stones guy, Artie. I am not a Rolling Stones guy. However... I've only heard their hits, and someone as recently who I respect their musical opinion has convinced me to give them another go with some of their unknown songs. Wow, this is an update because you've yeah. you've had some rants on here before. So I'm Stones. well, yeah. all their hits suck. So I'm gonna give them, <laughs> I'm gonna give them another go by listening to like their first album straight through without without any prejudice. And I can do that. I can change my opinion on a band very quickly. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's Artie's not. section there. And Janis Joplin fans, what can they do, Artie? They can get off my lawn. There it is. Okay. The French Connection, directed by William Friedkin, was the Best Picture winner. Screenplay written by Ernest Tidyman, based on a book by Robin Moore, depicting actual events of the police officers Eddie Egan and Sonny Grasso. Music by Don Ellis, who uh, also did the music in a movie... Known as Bullet, which I think we'll probably be discussing a little later. Uh, cinematography by Owen Roisman, who did <laughs> this is fun. He did basically did four AFI Top 100 Best Picture nominees in Exorcist, Network, Tootsie, and The French Connection, and then a BBC Sub 50 uh, movie, White Earp, which he received a, an Oscar nomination for. That's, that's the kinda, cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. yeah What's his name? Owen what? Uh, Owen Roisman. Film editing by Gerald G. Greenberg, who, uh, as we said before, he edited Kramer vs. Kramer and Apocalypse in the same year and uh, didn't win. He was nominated for both, didn't win. They lost to All That Jazz, starring, starring Roy Scheider. And I'm going to shout out the stunt coordinator, too, Bill Hickman, um, who was in the film, too. He played the kind of the, the adversary who gets shot at the end there. The cop he, who's breaking his does, balls. The cop does, who's breaking Gene Hackman's balls. He does... Uh, no, he's the hitman who falls no, down the no, stairs. No, the stunt the stunt coordinator plays the cop that is blaming Popeye for for getting the other guy killed. Right, but didn't he also do the stunt of falling down the stairs? The hitman actually did, but he oh, wasn't he the stunt did coordinator. His own stunt. Yeah, oh, crazy as that. He did a lot of the driving, uh, Bill Hickman. Yes, he played uh, Officer Moultrie. He was also Patton's driver in Patton, believe it or not. So a little extra connection there. I believe it. The French Connection is starring Gene Hackman, Roy Scheider. Fernando Ray, Tony Lobianco, Bill Hickman, Arlene Farber, Frederick de Pascal, and The Three Degrees as themselves. It was nominated for eight Oscars. It was the winner of five, including Best Picture, Best Director, William Friedkin, Best Lead Actor, Gene Hackman, Best Adapted Screenplay, Ernest Tideman, Best Film Editing, Gerald Greenberg. It was also nominated for, but did not win, Best Supporting Actor, Roy Scheider, Best Cinematography, Owen Roisman, and Best Sound. It's a 7.7 on IMDb, not good enough for the top 250. It is, however, on the both AFI lists, the 100 movies in 1998. It's number 70, and it was dropped down to 93 at that 10th anniversary list, which is the list that uh, is there today. What won Best Cinematography that year? Best Cinematography winner was Fiddler on the Roof. I'm sure not one that, Artie, you would be... uh, Fully digging. I haven't seen it, but I already know that's not right. <laughs> a $1.8 million budget, which actually went $300,000 over budget. It was supposed to be 1.5 was their, their limit. They went over. Right. Uh, and it uh, grossed 
over 80 million worldwide. How did but they even said, spend 1.5 million? He said, we, he, said he, he agreed on 1.5 knowing he was going to go over. But <laughs> hey, once we get out there, there's no way they're stopping us. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, they made 80. So uh, yeah. I think they got that $300,000 yeah. back. So. I feel like every director knows that. When they're, <laughs> they're like, yeah, sure, that's fine yeah. for now. But that's not Wait till fine. you're fully invested and I need 200,000 more. Exactly. Yes, I mean, I th- that's not too bad. 300,000 over budget. And I also think the studios say yes to a budget knowing they're going to go over. They sh- they should, right? I mean, right? You would think. You would think. So, Jay, kick us off with this thing. Get us started here with the uh, the beginning of this film because it is it it is one of those movies that just starts. There's no easing into it. There's no uh, untross. Un- like, we're, we're, we're getting started here. Uh, you, you, the reason you did that is because you want me to pronounce Mersai. Sure. Right. And we'll just go with however you did it. So Marseille is how it is. Is it what it's going to be now? That's for, it. And and I apologize to anyone else. The Versailles of the Moors. How bad you know my French is. Um, but we open up in France, right? And uh, a police detective is following our main villain antagonist, um, Elaine Charnier, or Charnay. Um, and we don't know why, but the policeman, very shortly thereafter, goes down an alley. I think he's going back home in France, and there is an, uh, an assassin waiting for him right there, shoots him, um, and takes the bread, takes a little piece of bread and leaves the rest and walks away. And you're left wondering, what the hell was that about? And, I, I mean, listen, this first scene right here, you couldn't watch it without seeing all the influence that came from this. Whether it was the more modern stuff like a, a Sopranos, um, I saw a ton of Wire influences here in this throughout this whole thing. And and you know, it's crazy to think. And I was thinking this watching it. This came out before The Godfather, mm. and that's just that's just wild to me. You know, and it's like you you watch a movie like this and like oh okay oh they obviously got this from The Godfather. It's like oh no 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 hold on, like maybe The Godfather was aware of this before they were doing some of the things and and that first scene was was had that written all over for me i feel like this movie i'm sure um it's not the first movie but when i was watching it i was thinking i was first of all i was so happy to be watching a movie from the 1970s (laughs) i think (laughs) the 70s is the greatest decade for filmmaking hands down so as I'm watching, I'm going, this is the one that maybe started it all off, you know, like this gritty street based docu style realism that just pervaded movies through the 70s. And you're watching one of the first ones of the decade. I was like, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I know maybe some people will point at at Midnight Cowboy. Uh, but right. to me, it's this is like late 60s uh, yeah. was starting to get into it. Yeah. And man, I, I mean, I think with this coming out in 71 alongside Dirty Harry, those two movies coming out there, I think both movies had such a huge impact on what the 70s would become and the direction that a lot of these filmmakers would go right. leading into the, the taxi drivers of the world. Right. And, and, we, and you were talking about surveillance a little bit earlier. The conversation comes out two years after with Gene Hackman mm, as yeah, well. So yeah. there's, this, it's, uh, there's this paranoia, surveillance, cat and mouse that just go. There's all, so many movies that are going to take place in the next 10 years. That um, Well, there you go, too. You have... Conversation is comes out the same year as uh, I think in as between Godfather the Godfathers. Yeah, I think it comes out the same year as Godfather Two. I think yeah. it was nominated against Godfather Two. And here you have you know the conversation Francis Ford Coppola with Hackman. There's no way that there's no influence there <laughs> with, with French Connection. Like obviously he's he's taking the next step with Hackman here and that type of character. Yeah, I think we probably should start with Hackman here. 
and talk about his character and his his portrayal a little bit. And, and okay, because I I watching the first scene, I immediately thought, can can you get more realistic actors than Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider? There's very few actors that just feel so real. Like they're not scene chewing, they're not acting. You're just looking at them in their natural roles. And Gene Hackman does that so well that you believe he is whoever he's playing. And Roy Scheider too. Which is so wild too because every time I hear someone talking about Gene Hackman and his most famous characters, they always say, oh, he couldn't be more of an opposite of the guy that he's playing. Like it, whether oh, it's Unforgiven or whether it's, it's this character yeah. or um, uh, Royal, Ten- Royal Tenenbaum. It's, it's, he always plays these guys that are so opposite from who he is. He's like a very like, he's a very gentle kind of like anti-violence type of um, calm character. And here he's playing all these wild, uh, these wild, larger than life guys out there uh, on the streets. It, it's it's crazy. No wonder he like retired. He was just like, I can't do this shit anymore. I can't. <laughs> I, can't I can't. That's funny that he's that way in real life because I just imagined he was just being himself in all these movies, and he's yeah, but he's like notably he's different. Like that's he's like cool. they all that's cool. That makes go me out of the like him a little that. more because yeah. I don't really like him. <laughs> I don't really like Gene Hackman. Really? Yeah, I'm not a Gene Hackman fan. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is. He's kind of like I don't know. It, 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 okay, it's not his acting. It's like him, like Gene Hackman. Because like in <laughs> Superman, I like him. I think he's good. In this, I like him. I don't know what it is. It's like his person. But hearing that makes me like him a little more. Did that affect your experience watching this movie? No, because I like. I'm, I can separate that. Like okay. I like him as a villain. I like him. Well, as you don't. You don't the love off the screen Gene Hackman. Off the screen, of, yeah, okay. like the whole idea of Gene Hackman. I don't know what it is. So they they wanted to cast no name actors for this thing, mm. and they wanted to get. You know, get two guys in, in the mix that were no one knew, weren't attached to anything. And and Hackman is he was in Bonnie and Clyde. It's his first Oscar nomination, correct? This, yeah, and so he he would or, or he was nominated in Bonnie. And Clyde. Right. Okay. Would, so he, would that have worked? So. Would what have worked? Would that have worked? Getting no name people well, in they, this? They feel like they did because this is this he's is, not big yet, and this is Scheider's first film, oh, yeah. so or first major film. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. So, you know, Hackman isn't big, but he did get the nomination, so he's not completely unknown. Right. But I guess in, it's, his, it's his first time leading a movie, though. He's never been, like, first built before. Right, and and also the budget wouldn't have been able to accommodate a big name, so he didn't get paid a lot for this film, yeah. that's for sure. Right, right. Uh, Scheider's casting spot is a great story. He's auditioning for a play. He's a, he's a big stage actor, a, a brilliant theater actor. Brilliant theater oh, actor. There you go. He's auditioning for the play, and the director is this European director who, in, and he's doing the uh, audition here behind a big light, so he can't see anyone out in the, in the audience. He's just on the thing. He does it. He crushes it in his mind. But they wanted specifically wanted a six foot actor for whatever reason. For you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter why they needed a six factor. He goes, "How tall are you?" He's like, "Well, you know, I'm five ten and a half, but you know, I can wear boots or whatever, get myself up to six. And I'm like, "Okay, all right, all right." Call him back to audition again. Again, at the end, you know, so, uh, you know, how tall are you again? What is, is it? 5'10", but again, I can get the third callback for it. And again, he feels like he's really crushing this. Goes, all right, uh, now your height again. Um, can you stand next to our uh, stage manager? He's six foot. I want to see how close it is. And and Scheider says he takes the, the book that he's reading out of, tosses it in the stage and said, said fuck this. This is ridiculous. He's like, you, you could have Marlon Brando, Lawrence Olivier coming out here to audition this thing, and you'd send them away because they weren't six feet. I'm done with this. This is bullshit. And he walked out. 
gone. The casting director for the French Connection happened to be in the crowd there. You know, he he didn't know who was out there, what it was, and calls up uh, uh, Will Freakin and goes, "I think I got a guy a guy for you here. You, know, you got to check this guy out." And they called him in, interviewed him. He didn't even have to audition for French Connection. He's like, "This is the guy we want." Nice. Um, and he goes, "So you just never know, you know, who, you know this, this, this <laughs> auditioning of an audition is driving me crazy." And the end, someone sees you, and then boom, and that's my first uh, film. And he gets an Oscar nomination for the for the film. So yeah. this is one of Hackman's first movies. Uh, it's 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 his first. It's the first time he was the lead build guy. So he really swings for the fences. Yeah, I mean, I think every, everyone in this him? film was swinging for the fences. Warming up to. I didn't say I man. liked it. I said he cozy, he goes for the fences. It's like Kyle Schwarber goes for the fences too. You can be uneasy about watching him at bats. Well, speaking of casting, the story about how Fernando Ray got casted it was fascinating to me. Uh, Fernando Ray plays the French heroin smuggler. Elaine Charnier, and apparently freaking watched a French film in 67 called Belle du Jour, and he was impressed by one of the actors, so he said to the casting director, get me that actor from Belle du Jour, and the casting director went off, and he brings back Fernando Ray. The only problem is that wasn't the actor that freaking was talking about. Brought in one of his co-stars. Right. Oh, not him. Send him back. Right. <laughs> so they go. Well, let's get the real guys. And they, they, it would ended up being this guy Francisco Rabal, but it turns out he didn't speak English, um, <laughs> and I don't think he spoke French very, very much. So um, they said, okay, so maybe this Francisco Ray guy will do. <laughs> And it ended up being a blessing in disguise because Francisco Rabal, the, fir the first guy he wanted, was n nothing like Fernando Rey. Fernando Rey is this suave-looking, sophisticated, um, look smooth-talking character. He looks like a, the Dos Equis, most interesting does, man in the world. He does, <laughs> And that worked out so well for this character because he's so different than Gene Hackman, who is uh, not smooth and sophisticated and suave and, and smooth-talking. So... Uh, what a blessing in disguise, a happy accident that they stumbled upon Francisco Ray, who I think knocked it out of the park as this guy. Well, that's, you know, we talk about those happy accidents all the time. And I think Freakin felt like it really, you know, moved it moved elements of, of the themes forward by having a more refined villain when you have the real rough and tumbling uh, police officer who's, you know, racist. and Right. When the, uh, when the cop is less likable than the villain it gets interesting yes yes very interesting yeah and uh he, he i think one of the things i saw him say is uh, uh the thin line between cop and criminal and when you have that and you can and that's i mean that's right. what the wire made its bones on you know right. that was the the areas of gray and and i saw so much wire in this film whether it was uh you know season two with the docks i know chris would be doing backflips talking about it right now the greek on the docks you know and the greek kind of walking away and getting away disappearing season two of the wire is french it's french connection it totally is it really is and how much of mcnulty is is popeye doyle you know so, it's, right. it, one thing i really wanted to emphasize on this episode is how fucking fun it would have been to be a cop in the 70s what do you just get let's go just get wasted and follow people and then like gene hackman ends up getting into the car at one point and they like they're like here you go here's some liquor oh thank god i could drink and like it, what is part of being are they fueled by liquor yeah i mean i feel it like looks I, really fun i feel like, like most professions were <laughs> they go to the <laughs> nightclub they go to the nightclub and they get 
I want to like, talk about that scene. That's, right, a, that's yeah. a great scene. I also have a cool tie yeah. in there. Um, they go to the nightclub, get a buzz, and they're like, let's go, let's go follow these guys. It's like, we're just, we're just neglecting the fact yeah. that we just got a buzz. They're like James Bonds. But they were uh, off duty. Cool tie in about the nightclub scene. Mm hmm. So that band singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That song at the end, the last line is, you're going to take us to the moon. When they're testing the heroin later, and it gets to 240 or 230 in the test, in the thing, he goes, we are at, um, he goes, we're at a lunar trajectory. Wow. Mm. I love that. The three degrees. So the, and the three degrees is the name of the band. If you oh, put degrees wow. on the temperature. Oh. There you go. So, so, the ba- so the people are all sitting around the table as they sing, take us to the moon, all the bad guys, and mm. take us to the moon and the heroin literally lunar take trajectory. Great tie-in. Great tie-in, right? Great tie-in. Real heroin, by the way. Yes. yes. Real they, heroin. They did a real test. Yes. He 100%. Really there was no faking anything in they this really film. They really cut costs <laughs> in the budget. You know, it's cheaper yeah. to buy heroin than cornstarch. <laughs> than to get fake heroin. <laughs> oh Have you been to the grocery store lately? <laughs> Real heroin mixed with um, mercury, right? That's how you test it. The, that Crazy. scene, the scene of this, let me, let me take you out for a drink. Uh, the two of them walking into that bar it is it's just that is the two different types of personalities that go into a bar. The guy who wants to anchor up, sit there, Order his drink and then ease into the social situation. And the guy who comes in and he's saying hi to everyone in the mother. He's, with, he's dancing to the band and then he gives a kiss to the waitress and then he talks over to this guy, talks over to that guy. So much character development with those two. And this oh. is a movie where there is not much. All of, or, or or any character development there is is done through through extreme subtleties and like reactions and, and well, moments. Right. I was going to say action. there's a ton of character no, 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 development no, no, there between is, the two of them. It's but, all super but subtle. But not the type of character development we're, we're we're to. accustomed to right right of course not yeah and, and this and movie's super subtle right before that scene in the opening scene where they catch the 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 perp when they chase down the perp and for you know uh selling drugs good cop bad cop establishing right away mm-hmm. that these are two different types of cops in discussing character development uh freaking quoted f scott fitzgerald no you stole I it stole that it. was I like my quote of the buddy. movie gotcha. well no this isn't in the movie though i know oh you want to you, you so can't good. use the quote it's of the for movie. that chase scene it's so good it makes that cha- knowing that made that chase scene a thousand times better after you said that okay so it's fucking teasing me like, so the the quote from f scott fitzgerald is action is character so when we talk about character development and it's often it's done through the monologue or through the the, the verbal interaction between each other and Heather. But here is action is character. We see Buddy Russo, Stormy Russo, Roy Scheider's character, head right to the bar and order the drink. The drink he didn't want necessarily want to begin with, but we knew he wanted. He knew he'd come out. That's like part of their thing. Now we know that they're, you know, they're going to go out to the bar even when they want to go home. They live that social life. He sits there, gets eased in, gets settled in, sizes up the crowd. And you have Popeye Doyle going around being the affable guy in the room, but he's the one who picks up on something's not right going on here, and he's the right. one who picks up on the case. On um, Sal Boca. Mid, midway, yeah. Make, big spender. What someone does and how they do it is character development, and there's so much of it with this. And Roy Scheider said, he goes, you know, this is my second movie, and I, I get up for the... I, I find out that I'm up for an Oscar, and I like... I like fell over. I'm like, I'm up for the Oscar. He's like, I didn't have a dramatic scene in the movie. There I was didn't, no, yeah. I didn't have a I monologue. The same thing. Have, like, how am I up for an Oscar? He's like, I'm this, I'm the stage actor who's like made his bones doing these big monologues, and here I get my Oscar for being Cloudy Russo. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's 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 yeah. a great thing. But it, but he goes, but like it was an amazing feeling because 
my peers recognized what I was doing and, mm. and that it wasn't I wasn't just going through the motions. I wasn't just like being the sidekick cop. Like I was making decisions there and, and we were imp improving and playing off each other and creating these characters as we went because as we said before, there really was no script. They studied the case. They right. studied these two cops and what they did. William Freakin, uh, Roy Scheider, and Hackman went out on the beat with these guys Correct. and just and drove around in cop cars and got a feel for what it was. Gene Hackman had to restrain a perp. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he bitched the whole ride back that he was going to get in trouble for impersonating an officer. I mean, he could have so been. That actually, certainly would have today. I, I mean, oh, a million percent. Thank God there's no cell phones back then. I was, that's another cool element of this, is uh, watching this movie from today's lens. You can't video the guy. You can't track him. You have to keep an eye on him. Use a team of people to follow him. It was super fun watching that. I love yeah. watching the surveillance in this movie. Right. The, and, and the... the like you said, grittiness. I want to say like the, like primalness of it. Like the yeah. the mm. how fucking raw it is. Like just follow that person yeah, and watch feral. them do something wrong. Feral, yeah. Feral. It's not but domesticated. Like, it's yeah. not clear. It's it's that's just dirty. it's in the wild. Well, that's dirty. How I, and that's how I felt during the, the big chase scene, when he when he's getting shot out. I think it's a, it's ironic how he's off the case and then he gets someone tries to kill him. And now yep. he's like, now he's back on the case. <laughs> he, like he was gonna go off to into his into his house and go to sleep and never probably never do this again. And then the guy shoots at him. And Gene Hackman is so feral in that big chase scene that he is not stopping until he shoots this guy, even in the back, even if it takes shooting him in the back. It reminded me of the Dark Knight when they're under the bridge, and he's uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne, but he's trying to protect the guy who's being transported because he knows his identity mm -hmm. and he shoots his Lamborghini in front of the car oh, yeah. trying to kill him. That under the subway stuff, all that. Mm. It just gave, The whole chase scene gave me Dark Knight vibes. Mm. That's awesome. And heat. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that Christopher Nolan is a, a French connection. Yeah, I'm <laughs> lover. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's obvious. That's, yeah. Um, but isn't that crazy that freaking never read the book? Yeah, and, he never and, read the book. He never read the source material. And said, they, <laughs> and said they never had really a screenplay. I know this case. He said he, yeah. I know this case. He was with these two cops for so long. On, on listen to how they talked to each other. Listen, they had cops on set making sure that Gene Hackman was frisking people the same way that they would have frisked them. Is so real that freaking said, "I already know everything." I think he said um, something along the lines of um, that a writer couldn't convey exactly what it was like so he could so the right um, why try right so why write a screenplay i already know how this this is and feels in my head so right. if you don't know it. it you won't be able to replicate it <laughs> yeah yeah he said he knew that case like the back of his hand like he studied and that case the, another cool element is when um gene hackman says to roy scheider he goes all right get to work roy scheider takes a straw hat and throws it in the back yeah that was a thing back then letting um, when undercover cops were working, like on-duty undercover cops, they would throw a straw hat in the back of the hmm. by the brake light yeah. before they got out and surveyed or something and, like and, that. And I think that that on authenticity that they went for there, and we're going to talk about guerrilla filming in in a in a second, but that authenticity that they went for there, I think that that's one of the things that maybe can set the viewer off a bit because like i said it's not it, well, it's this unique is not, at the time yeah it's it's unique now i mean it's it's not it's been 
copied a little it, bit. It right? has, like Sopranos has some episodes when I, like this. When I say unique is as I'm saying, like when you sit down and watch a movie, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, you're going to be like, what am I watching here? What's going on? You know, like this, nothing, no one's talking. They're just kind of watching things. They're doing things. Like that type of pacing is not conventional entertainment. Right. So I think that for some people who maybe don't love this film, or even you said yourself, you didn't fully dig this. It felt more like a movie than a film. But, you know, the more we talk about it, which is what I was hoping for, mm-hmm. um, the more I'm appreciating a lot about it. But again, I do feel like this movie is like, if I'm, I felt like I was thrown into the middle of a book and I was pulled out before the end. Mm. Yeah. That's I mean, how I feel. Yeah, yeah it doesn't I, think, take I wonder if t- that's what he was going for. That <laughs> might have been maybe. You know for. what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, uh, I don't get a beginning and I don't get an end. You just get the middle section. And what I really love about this movie, I will give it, it has a lot of strengths. Mm-hmm. The beginning, you think the cops are a step ahead of the bad guys. And halfway through, you realize, oh, the cops are nothing. These guys are yeah. way ahead of them. Yeah. That is awesome. And that is very Wire season two. And that's very mm-hmm. Sopranos. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I love that. Jay, tell us a little bit about the, the guerrilla filming style of this and what some of the things they went through to put this thing together. They actually handed a camcorder to a gorilla and let him chase <laughs> Gene Hackman around. And that's how they filmed the scene of him chasing down the car. So we'll freaking saw a movie called Z and after seeing that movie he said that he finally realized having seen the movie Z that he realized how he could shoot the French Connection because Z was shot like a documentary um, it was a fictional film but very realistic documentary style and freaking after watching that movie freaking who had done several documentaries earlier on understood that this was the way that the French Connection was going to be shot and so that's how they did it. I mean, which which part of guerrilla filmmaking do you want to know? When they're chasing um, Sal Boca and there is that traffic jam on the bridge. <laughs> this is great. They just they just created a real traffic jam. They just started a traffic jam. There's like, no there's no actors on that bridge. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, yes, no, they, they had a lot of controlling him. I think they, they, they got raided by the cops. They no, had they had 12. They have like like three or four friendly cars block off the, the lanes yeah right but i also read that like the first car chasing they have off-duty cops they hired to work the traffic lights and like some of the people and cars that were almost collisions yeah that was just real in the big chase oh yeah, yeah. Big chase yeah oh yeah no a lot of and, and hackman was driving right <laughs> for half of it yeah yeah what he did was he threw it just threw like a siren on top well the just... cam the the the, the freaking freaking was in the back seat Filming because he was the only one that wasn't married with children. And it was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally what I read. Well, he <laughs> didn't even ask the, the the city for permission to do this. No, it was, uh, bef- was... He, he he omitted permits. He yeah, never would let us do that. They never would let us do that. No, and and there's uh, there's cars sitting at the red light during this chase scene that are just normal people going about their day, and they just see Gene Hackman fly through the red light. <laughs> <laughs> he had a he did have a bubble on top of his car. He did have but a, that we didn't. See we don't we don't yeah, see yeah. it, but he Just had to, one. Uh, yeah, um, and there's also a, a car speeding across with him, filming him too, because we get exteriors of the car, right? You know, this so and, and they're chasing a subway, and and his it's it's like it's like William Freakin anticipated the nitpick zone. He's like, nope, it's wicked. this is how we're gonna do it. They're like, well, if if a, a, a sub a subway full speed is fifty 
And if a car's going 80 to 90, it can catch up to it. Mm. So we have to actually go 80 or 90 to make this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Do 30 and 50 and then make it look that way. And when and when Hackman's getting hit by the cars, those are accidents. These stuntmen are just missing their mark. They, the cars are supposed to <laughs> narrowly miss each other. And when they hit each other, those are mistakes. But what are you going to do you just got to put it in reverse and keep going so it's just incredible how they were just rolling with the literally rolling with the punches of these um of some of these scenes there's no built sets everything is actual locations no there's litter on the street in manhattan i love the character building for manhattan by the way for Mm. new york city fucking jesus i feel it felt like die hard with a vengeance and so did the trying to beat the train to the station Felt like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, L- yeah. Dude, the influence. So that's one thing for this movie. Almost every scene I have seen again later on. <laughs> yeah. I, I really. Almost every scene. I really yeah. noticed a ton, too. It, it was. It and was, like, that was a it, first watch notice. Yeah, and this is like. It's kind of like, you know, we, we run through a lot of these movies on this podcast. Like, we've. In the last three years, we've. Three, four years now, we've seen a lot. Like, when a movie comes along, it goes, oh, geez. Like, I was probably talking about that like it was original, and then you see this. It's like, and I'm sure there's things that that influence this too. It's it, it's how it, it's how it all works, right? Right. Uh, but so, uh, it, it, a lot of that was was stark here for this one. For our boy Chris, apparently David Fincher cites this as a big influence uh-huh. on his career. Um, he would Kurosawa, people like Kurosawa. I mean, I, you probably can't find a. That's a lie, but there's probably so many um, directors that were influenced and loved this film. Yeah, uh, and and man, I, we had the New York conversation here before, and I've had it, I think, on other podcasts. But watching this, I was kicking myself. I was like, how can I not bring this up? This is so obviously one of the best New York movies ever made. I mean, this it's, is, it's, might yeah. be one. It really like, it might be one. I mean, it's Die Hard with a Vengeance, and this are like one yeah. A, I mean, one do the right thing. You have to say, you know, probably like a, just mention Woody Allen's name you don't have to get right. into it but you know there's from Manhattan yeah, that's um, more Woody, staged um, I feel like than this this feels like you're really this just isn't in, staged I this feels <laughs> yeah. like a, this feels like 1 30 in the morning walking around my friend's Manhattan yeah it, it, real, it is real real yeah. Manhattan and he's like he's walking down the road and you see someone you see a homeless person passed out in the I thought that guy was like more a, than homeless I thought he was like dead, dead by the way he was sleeping yeah, I'm like, like whoa that's not like a day player for ambiance right. that's probably a real person right. sleeping on the road you like, know they it, couldn't afford trolleys so they just oh, put yeah. the cameraman in a wheelchair and yeah. pushed him and chased people down like, they, they, that's, that's a great point that. that's guerrilla filming it was so guerrilla they didn't have time to put tracks down for like a camera dolly because we're not supposed to be here right now filming at Grand Central Station. So they're just pushing guys in wheelchairs. The one cop on the train who ends up getting shot is a real cop. He just happened to be in SAG for whatever reason. So they're like, (laughs) you're the guy. (laughs) We're going to get a line. We're going to shoot you. And only give so many people lines. How impressive is it that he said they rarely did three takes, one or two takes every scene, maybe, and then moved on. Well, you had to. The police would be after you. <laughs> <laughs> but Fincher now, didn't, but now Fincher didn't Gene, get that from now him, you're Gene Hackman. This is how good Gene and Roy are, and Fernando Ray. They one, one, two takes. Keep uh, next scene. So Pack G- them up. Let's go. Gene and Roy together is really good. You could tell that they're both like highly trained actors. Yeah. You know, they know how to move in the space of the scene right. without it feeling awkward. Right. And then there's some scenes where it feels super awkward. Like well, anytime they have to fight or be distressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about Schneider this? with his hand in his head? It's, it's very theatrical, but it's well, a movie. Right. How, how about you don't this need scene? that in a movie. When uh, 
Roy goes to wake him up in the morning, and he's hang and he's foot cuffed to the bed. The, <clears throat> the uh, odd couple vibes you're getting yep. of this one guy is just Teaser having alert. casual sex. The other guy's got to wake him up every day, be- Te- or he'd never go to work, kind of Te- thing. Yeah. Teaser alert. We'll get to that scene. It sl- slept uh, on, slept on the bar all night. Wakes up, goes out, it gets home, has himself a night. The, the next guy comes, wakes up, gets into work. Yeah, ready to rock good. and roll. I like when felt like, felt like me and Joey are trying to plan up upcoming episodes. You know, I'm like, well, we'll figure that out later. Joey's like, no, you got to. We need to know what we're doing next. I like right when now. the lieutenant's trying to convince the FBI agent Mulder. Mulder. I like when their lieutenant or captain is trying to convince him to give Doyle a chance to give Popeye a chance. Mm. And he's like, he's a pretty good cop sometimes. His hunches are sometimes right. You know, it's like, he's, like, he's not really. That's kind of part of what this movie is is trying to convey is, is that how much work goes into building a case right. that's kind of built on a little bit of a hunch. Maybe we think this could be the guy, this could be the car, this could be the building, this the business. But you spend hours and hours. The, the scene with, with uh, Hackman outside standing in the cold, and you mm. could just fucking feel how he cold he is. He dumps the coffee because yeah. it doesn't taste good. Yeah, because he needs stay, hot coffee, yeah, but that tastes like warm. shit. <laughs> right. And he's, he's moving his feet, and he's moving his head. And then they're just in there like, uh, the way so that warm, con- oh eating a first-class now I love that, the can, way that contrasts between those two characters. Amazing shot. And can, we, ta- can, can we talk about the food they bring out in that scene? The first thing they bring out, two bowls of French onion, onion soup. soup. I saw that. <laughs> and then there's a giant filet they're cutting. And then there's like all these eclairs the they dessert, bring out. The oh, dessert yeah. cart comes over. Like. You know what I love too is you don't hear a word of dialogue between the Frenchmen. Nope. It's just like don't you're actually it. watching them, st- staking them out, but you can't hear it. You're not uh, eavesdropping, but you're just watching like Gene Hackman's just watching. He we're, doesn't know what they're saying in that restaurant. We're getting, we're getting the warmth of being in the restaurant from the camera point of view, but we're getting Gene. Hackman's point of view in yeah. the scene. Like, we're not yeah. getting any words. Yeah, the refocusing great. of the camera there is one of my favorite shots in the movie. The refocusing oh, in the fucking chase scenes is something that needs to be talked about. We need to spend a lot of time on this. But we'll <laughs> when they're following Sal Boca in the subways. In the beginning. No. Okay. The beginning? Oh, Sal Boca. In the middle. Okay. Yeah. And you see the guy makes eye contact with him. In the jewelry store. Oh, yeah. Sal Boca changes his direction, but then Gene Hackman emerges from behind a pillar. You have to choreograph this in the middle of the city. And this is like the camera has to then refocus. And all of that is super, super fun to watch when you're an audience member. 100%. This movie's playing a different game here. This movie isn't your, your, here's the plot, let's tell a story. This character learned this, this character learned that, the conflict is here, the resolution's there. That's not what this movie's trying to do here. It's templateless. Yeah, it is doing some sort of cinematic gymnastics that that we're not used to here. And, you know, Jay, you mentioned the word documentary and I and that's what Friedkin was going for the feel he was going for is we're watching this case unfold we're we're play acting you know this isn't in real time and this happened 10 years ago but we're going to reenact this thing and you're going to be a part of the team that's tracking it down you're like a fly on the wall you're a fly on the wall and the camera there's that long shot the long zooms make you feel like you're watching through a lens from far away it's so voyeuristic there's that long shot security camera feel Mm -hmm. there's that long shot in the hotel lobby that it's a long take where it's just running and 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 the camera's kind of like it's looking around like you're in the lobby looking around back and forth and and it shows uh it shows Fernando Ray head into the elevator and then it shows Gene Hackman come in and he asks the lobby who was that man that went up there right. notice how long that take is it is just a running take it had that birdman kind of feel to it um 
just just great stuff. If, right. if you're into camera work and you're into um, into all that stuff, this movie's really throwing a lot of tricks out there. So, a lot of stuff gets said about our critique of the score and spotlight, how it adds emotion to a scene rather than the scene having emotion and it adding to the emotion. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In this movie, there are scenes where Roy Scheider and Gene Hackman are in the car. There's only one score that's going to work in this scene. And it's the tight strings that come in that add a ton of tension. You couldn't add anything else to, to evoke another emotion in that scene. Whereas Spotlight, there are scenes where the score is giving you that emotion... And if it was a different score, you'd have a different emotion. Because yeah. the scene is like them running down the stairs. There's tension music. Yeah. But if it was like... Duh, 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 it would, you know what? It would still work. It would just be out of context. <laughs> it wouldn't work in the movie, but it would work. In this, when, when Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider look at each other and when they're chasing people down... And the the nuns, like the tense notes that and the string the notes that they hold for they sustain string notes for a long time to add tension like literally like 40, 50 seconds of holding a note that adds a ton of tension and there's no other score there's no other way to play music in that scene that would make it work it, if you didn't do that this the the shot is lost the scene is lost there's yeah. no other mood for that scene. Yeah, I'm happy you brought so up the score and brought a little into it because that was one of the things I was a little on the fence about with this. Like, I I was thinking about it today and I'm like, you know, I, I didn't the score the score didn't leave me with a lot. Maybe that's an area where they could have added more. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute, more might have not worked. And and then I I kind of pumped the brakes. So I'm happy that you hopped on that early because I think that's a that's a very very fair point. Loved it. Yeah, love the score. And, and there are chunks where they don't use it. Like the, oh, a long car and chase, and, and they and that it, goes a long way, and that works. Like yeah. silence is om omitting it is is just as right. Important. I don't think there's music during the there's big none car during, chase, there's none. There's which none. is incredible. And I was thinking, where's the score? And I was like, you know what? You don't need the score. No. The car, the brakes, that's what I love and about the it. Screeching tires, yes. and all that's of why, that works. And that's why it gets nominated for best sound. Then there you yeah. go. That's the score during that. <laughs> yes, yes. And then there we go. I, I, might, I might like this movie after all. I couldn't, <laughs> Watch it again. I couldn't help but think of the last movie that the three of us covered together in, in the heat of the night. Okay, it's four years prior. Two cops, they're not partners. Like, these two are partners, and that movie's not. Kind of a bit of a grab the film and uh, grab, the, grab the film crew and go. Kind of on location filming. Mm -hmm. Opposite, almost direct opposite approaches in how to tell a story. Mm. You know, one is very... Plot heavy, and it's very human. You know, it's it's the plot is there. Okay, you can't ignore the plot, but we're going to focus on humanity. We're going to focus on the interaction between these two guys, all the social dynamics from there, and everything. This movie is all right. The plot is there. We're not going to focus on that either. We're going to focus on the hunt, the chase, the dynamics of it, the coordinates of it, the playbook. Hmm. And we're gonna not we're not gonna get it we're not gonna have that moment in the apartment with uh, with Roy Scheider and Gene Hackman uh, you know Drinking. trying to be <laughs> trying yeah. to, to each other like we, we did with Rod Steiger and right. Sidney Poitier. So I I love the juxtaposition of the two films. That's basically right. what I'm trying to say. I don't think that they're that similar at all, other than the fact that they're cop movies that are made in the roughly the same period of time. But it is fun to 
look at the two this uh, uh, this close in proximity from when we're recording and see the differences in how a movie can be great doing completely different things with a similar type of general subject. Right. And it goes back to that F. Scott Fitzgerald quote that he he was in love with, which is action as character, because as the plot's unfolding, so is the main character unraveling, more, you know, morally. Watching him behave is his character development. Right. Mm. Action is character. You don't get that scene of him sitting alone, like, descending into madness. He's descending on the run. And he doesn't have time to think about this. And there's one line where Roy Scheider really describes his character. I'm with my partner. Right. And, and, and that's really what he is, the whole movie. And his action speaks to that. He just, all right, Gene Hackman's telling me what to do. We're going out to get a drink. We're going out to get a drink. Right. We're going on a lead. We're going on a lead. I got to follow this guy. I got to follow this guy. Mm-hmm. That's action is character for him. And all of that made me, when I was prepping for this, made me think of one of my favorite movie quotes ever, or quote about movies ever from Alfred Hitchcock, which I mentioned on the pod before. And I, I have it here. I'll, I'll say it again. But when I looked up that, I found an equally as good one from Hitchcock, too. So, and Artie, you're going to geek out on this one. You're going to love it. But the original quote was, when we tell a story in cinema, we should resort to dialogue only when it's impossible to do otherwise. It's a, it's a genius quote. It's an amazing an amazing perspective on I, filmmaking. That's what I just think. Every movie I watch, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. Now, here's another More one silence, from him. silence, the better. Here's another one from him on the same topic, same subject. Dialogue should simply be a sound among other sounds, just something that comes out of the mouths of people whose eyes tell the story in a visual terms. That's to the point of the score. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the French connection right there. And yeah. also to the point of the score and spotlight, like yep. it should be the story that tells you the emotion and anything else should be like dialogue should be additional. The score should be additional yeah and you know then we talk about movies influencing movies and influence movies and you know of course there's a shit ton of hitchcock in this in this film there is just it's you can't you can't ignore it and freaking who is a lover of film he he mentioned uh the two that he said were the most influenced movie uh jay you mentioned the film z the french film z correct. also the uh jean luc godard film breathless correct is the other one that uh, that he felt were the two in that documentary ones. style yeah realistic mm-hmm. yeah realism we talked already about like all the extras and all the just these are just people on the streets of new york to me one of the best scenes in the movie was that subway scene and these are real operating subways with people really traveling the subways them walking in and out and doing this and that this is this is them just grab a camera head down to the platforms at grand central station and film and that's just it's just so different than what we'd see today like you can't do that anymore if you, you did that just... today everyone would be like who are you why are you filming yeah. <laughs> be like, there's no way everyone would just be like oh this is fine yeah no one had, no one had a phone yeah everyone's just a person they're, just, they're not be- connected yeah. to anything right. they're just beings we're just animals and i don't know how they how they made it work you know it probably would take four hours just to do a 10 minute scene well they did nowadays. it so i feel like they did it so quick that no one even knew what was going on and then they were out of there and they're like yeah. But just to coordinate it, it was so impressive. Uh, amazing. Amazing. The, and and something has been used so many times since the, the in and out of the subject. <laughs> yeah, it's become a almost a trope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But oh this man, is it so is so original. It is poetry it. in motion watching it in this I thing. I love it. It was the first it was the, the editing it's, man. It's the first time in the movie, you know, the whole time I'm like I'm thinking Gene Hackman is obviously not the nicest guy, not the more greatest, you know, moral character at all. And but you you think the cops are in control of until that scene. Yes. And at the end of that scene, you're like, 
wait, he knows he he does not have the upper hand here at all. He is not in control. He is not as talented as it seems right now. He is struggling right now. So all of this adds to the opening scene of the movie. There, the opening scene of the movie is an undercover cop following them and getting killed because yeah. he's following them. Right. With the baguette. So like the opening scene is them being wise to the fact yeah. that they're being followed. Right. Like and so we should. Uh, we should have known. No, there's, like, there's, <laughs> yeah. nothing, there's nothing better than when a filmmaker shows you the answer in the beginning <laughs> and you just believe the other thing anyway until, you you, until he reveals question. it again. You yeah, don't know yeah. the question. Well, that's kind of what we don't, not to go back to In the Heat of the Night, but when they show you, spoilers if you, if you care, if that's part of it, they show you the killer being creepy is the first killing a fly, <laughs> the first scene of the movie, the killer's killing a fly. He tells you right away who the killer is. The foul owl. But we don't know the question yet. That's right. to give you the answer before the question. That's, right. That's, yeah, but in great. this, right, and in this scene. Yeah, you don't know the question. In this scene, right, he's following him, he gets on, and then he gets off. And now he's going to go have a drink at the stand, and now uh, Doyle has to pretend like, oh, I'm thirsty too. And then uh, Fernando Ray finish thinks he's like sits there he thinks there he's like okay here's what i'm gonna do next puts his drink that takes a sip puts his drink down gets back on the train doyle looks around he's like oh we're going back on the train then fernando ray goes and throws something out into the garbage and then he goes to look see what he threw in the garbage it's like it's so obvious it's, he's following you can right. be bad cop work well, <laughs> right there's but he's so desperate that's the other thing too. you keeps, see how desperate he's getting and Hackman now keeps making eye contact too and the yes, other guy he, never it's almost like he doesn't him. care there is an exact moment where they show you where he gets wise to him who fernando ray yeah it's it's a little shot it's and you you really can only see it if you're looking for it if you're watching really really carefully because the camera switches to his point of view and shows a mirror. Oh, and in, in the, the mirror, store. in the mirror is him cu- walking out of this of the subway. No, in, in on the subway station, on the platform. Oh, he knows before that. This is this, but this is where it where their dynamic is. This man is following it. He shows from his view, steps out, and then it goes to his face, and he's and he does a face like, okay, oh. this is my guy, you know. So yes, he knows. He's aware that they've been following him all over, but now he knows that this is this exactly is this specific the guy. guy. Is it? they show they show him. His POV at the mirror shows yeah, yeah. Popeye. I know Doyle. the scene you're talking about. The he camera pulls the girl off the. Reflection. He pulls the girl off the subway and yeah. like. And she. And it's <laughs> funny you say that. What is she an actress or if she's not, I'm she sure probably she, got the I'm shit sure scared she, out of her. I'm Imagine sure he just actress. grabs someone. I'm sure she's an actress, but it's funny if you watch her after she's like, "God, the fuck do I do now? Like, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Maybe it was <laughs> no, because he clearly is saying a lot to you her. You could relate to him pretending to be on the phone. He's like, "I don't care how many bartenders are sick. I'm not coming in and working in that joint." Like, yes. And really, he's calling him up saying, you asshole, you're supposed to be tailing this guy. I saw him coming out of the hotel. Where were you? I've been following for the last... He right. thinks he's still in the hotel. Right. He's mm. like, no, he's in the subway now. What I just followed him. Because he yeah. doesn't believe Hackman's hunch. Amazing stuff. Amazing um, stuff. And oh, oh, and then <clears throat> what I, I back to your point about Fernando Ray noticing, it, he doesn't give it away, though, facially, until Never. that very end when the train is pulling away and he gives the little the toodaloo wave. That's scary. I was like, oh, it's a, it's you know why that's you, you know can... why that's scary because he's identifying him. He goes, now I know what you look like, mm-hmm. and the next time we see Gene Hackman, he's getting right. fucking sniped. Right. Yep. And he's like, and I don't it's fucking. True. You're right. And I'm not worried that you're. He's like, me. I yeah. now know what you look like. That's yeah. a heat moment. 
Uh, yes. He's like, why are we fucking here? I know why we're fucking here. He's scouting us out. You know, yeah, it's like um, that. Amazing, amazing stuff. And you could just feel that that was like the moment in theaters back in 71 where people just like, just, like wow. erupted clapping, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it, it. And him running after the train, throwing his hat. You're great. like, shit, this guy is not in control at all right have now. You guys, and he's getting desperate. <laughs> have you guys it was a the... cool turn, especially for back then, where oh, yeah. the bad guys are in charge. Oh, yeah. this, this is, it's literally like a Wire episode in 1971. Yeah. Probably mind blowing to most people. Now, missing trains, missing subways. Have you guys uh, been in that moment where you try to get right. as the doors closing, closing, yeah. or try to get into the, or, or even doing the the, the jog along? I mean, the jog you, along. Uh, stop it! Stop it! Yeah. They never stop it. <laughs> I might have the best story ever for that one. If you really want to hear it, is it you? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's oh go. yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So, my wife and I were just dating. Manhattan, Penn Station to Syosset. Can't miss the transfer at Woodside. Or you end up in fucking Ronkonkoma. Yep. So, get on the train, fall asleep. <laughs> Wake up at Woodside. Get up. Look at the, the guy taking tickets. He's like, where's your ticket? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. He's like, uh, uh, I'm like, well, where's this train going? He's like, Ronkonkoma. He's like, I'm like, how do I get to Syosset? He goes, that train over there. And he points across the thing. As he says that, the door starts to shut. I look him in the eyes and grab the door. And as I'm looking at him, I slowly pry it open and jump off and run across the platform. Is the, the train thing. moving? He just let me, just, no, he no. just let me, he just let me do it. Yeah. He watched me do it. Like eye contact. But I, he could have been like, you can't do Hit that. You with like a broom? Hey, get off that. Get off that. He let me run across. I ran across. I get to the other side. My wallet's on the other train. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, he had a good laugh at that, seeing that wallet <laughs> there. So now I'm I'm on, and my phone dies. Zero percent. Run it, like, literally on the run. So I, I pick up my, my, take up my phone. I'm like, I go to Text Asia. I'm, my phone's dead. I now have no ticket on a train from Woodside to Syosset, and I have no wallet and no phone. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this guy comes up to me. He's like, I need your ticket. I'm like... Listen, man, I was just on the Woodside train. I'm like, I left my ticket, my wallet, I, my phone's dead. I don't have anything. I'm like, please just have, like, mercy on, let me just get this. <laughs> you played the have mercy on my, me card. Oh, I'm boy. like, my girlfriend's there. She'll she'll drive me home. Please, I paid for a ticket. Please. He's like, fine, whatever. I don't give a fuck. And he just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part of the story. The next morning, I woke up and called Penn Station. Said, did anyone find a wallet? They went, yes, someone found your wallet. <laughs> wow. And I, right. I went to the train back to Penn Station, got my wallet. Wow. All's well that ends well. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. So, yes, I've pried, door op I've yeah. pried train door <laughs> doors open while making eye contact with the conductor. Yeah. For, for all our listeners there who, who don't know New York City or haven't been to New York City, when those doors close on you as you're running to the train and you get there just as they're fully closed... Oh, they turn, they it's, turn a, into, it's a demoralizing They feeling. turn into DMV workers. Yeah, There's no oh, yeah. empathy. They're like, no. sorry, you See missed ya. it. Fuck you. Especially the subways. I think it's so... Well, in 71, they might have opened for you, which is why I think it's so in character that he just uses his umbrella to stop it and open it. He's yep. not prying anything. He's not working extra hard to get yep. this door nope. open. It takes one little umbrella handle. That's one cat and mouse. And then we have the big chase here, the, the, big, the big boy. Don't say mouse. Um... Oh, that's right. Artie's Artie's uh, doesn't house. like uh, doesn't like rodents here. We can't yeah. we can't conjure the the spirit of any of the mice that he's 
He's, he's cop and robber. Cop and robber. Cops and robbers. That's right. Well, Tom and Jerry. You guys brought up the sniper scene, which goes just full octane straight into a, a foot race, into a car versus train race. Watching it this time around, before I was doing any of the research for it, man, I'm I'm in. And I'm, ooh, ah, ooh, you know, just because now, like, at this point in my life, like, I have been under those L's in the city. And <laughs> on, on, on an average day where no one's trying to get anywhere. It's kind of like this it's movie. It's kind of like it's, yeah, this movie. Yeah, it's not fun driving under those things, man. Let me tell you, this you have these random beams that are just in the middle of the road. You're trying to make a right, like, around them. Cars and not just get into stop. Them. Yeah. Cars stop in the You go around someone and you realize there's a car driving at you. Right, yeah. the lights change. Sometimes cars just ignore that there's lights at all, you know, and it's... it's but so now I'm watching this thing like with it, and he's just speeding, going over the double yellow, you know, ooh, ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know when I see you uh, last night, you know, you had done a little, a little of the research before I got into it today, and you're like, yeah, they, yeah, they really did that. They didn't. Those were all real cars. I'm like, what? And then I'm watching it again today. I'm like, oh my god, you're crazy. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> this, like, it looks like real cars. Christ. Crazy. Uh, what about when? Stuff. What about um, when freaking said, you know, Bullet had done a huge car versus car chasing. So he said, "How can we do it differently? Let's do a car chasing a train. It's brilliant. Uh, That's it, brilliant." It he didn't want to be like, you know, what was already done. Right now, have you guys ever chased a train with your car? No. Well, what? Maybe. I I have done it. How once. is that? Where? <laughs> well, it it was it was just. And, and it's not really a chase in the sense of, of you know, I'm not... Uh, you I'm missed not the first I, step, so yeah, you went and tried I to go to the next now. one? Yeah, no, I'm, I got to the train late. Big surprise, right? Um, and it, and I, I realized that I'm not going to get to the on train. In time. I'm in my car. Get me to the and I'm train like, uh, in time. I'm not... I, I got to get to the next station. I got to get to the next station. I'm heading going. And, and, and now how residential Long Island roads work is it's not exactly like you're driving under the L train. You know, you're at lights and you're moving. There's times where you're moving faster than the train. There's times where the train's moving faster right, than you. Right. You get to the next stop and it's like, nah, this one's not going to work. <laughs> I got to not even pretend. I got to speed through and get to the next one, which would have been Syosset. And the key moment there is... You ended up in Hicksville, didn't you? No, Syosset's where I got it, and I caught it. it. Yeah, I I caught it. But the key is, is you'll know whether you catch it or not because you have to cross over the Uh, tracks. The the, the arms coming down. And if that arm comes down... You didn't make it's it. It's over. <laughs> no, nah, it's over because it's because it's essentially yeah. there and it's done. I know all the stops but you're talking about. But if you get about, there yeah. before the arm, you know you, you made, made it. it. So right. I made it through without the arm even even you know because you don't want to play the uh, the the limbo arm game. You don't go uh, around. Don't do you don't people. go around. The no, 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 no. Don't do that, people. That's not worth it. What did you guys think of the train part of this sequence? At first, I was like, "Oh, did that guy controlling the train just pass out from like sheer excitement, or you know, like what the hell's going on?" And I think that was ex- ex- exactly what it was. It was he had heart attack? <laughs> oh, is that yeah. what it was? Yeah, okay. heart I I like that. I did too. I like when there's ran- like Cohen brother random elements yeah, it's in like, the <laughs> middle of a fucking movie. It's like, oh, he's dying. Oh fuck, I didn't see that. Well, who the hell? That's said, not moving. Artie, I said the same thing. I go. He's playing a heart attack card. All right. Well, I'm ready for that. Let's do it. Yeah, I thought he was just going to shoot him in the face, but totally. I, I will do that. I, I dug that actor, the assassin. You know, uh, I, yeah, Nickel, I love Pierre. <laughs> he had a good he had a good assassin vibe to him. Bro, he reminded me of like a more Russian Daniel Craig. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a more, yeah. Yeah, French. Yeah, Nikolai, yeah. He was awesome. 
how about our French celebrity smuggler? What do we think of uh, Mr. Devereaux? I'll reserve my uh, uh, opinions for him later. <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> the poor, <soul. laughs> poor sap. <laughs> Who did God. more time than yeah. everyone combined. He's the only one that did, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of time. The quote unquote protagonist is just desperate as fuck. Yo, now. every time Gene. And he's Hacking. done. He's done being night, like being. Mm. He'll do anything now. And we don't even know why. Why is he so wrapped up in catching this Every guy? Every time Gene Hackman sees someone in a chase, he shoots them. Well, the point, I like think, that at the end. to answer your question, Jay, is I think he is so invested because of the work that he's put in. Mm. It, is it, it is an investment. Also, the fact that no one believes him, that that, that kills him inside. He's this, this guy that's known for having the hunch, that's known for having that. I just know, like I have that sixth sense right. where this is going on. And when you have your own department kind of just belittling you and holding you back and literally starting to diminish your role within your jurisdiction, mm. uh, to catch the thief here is, is just, it's just vindication. Right. And a vindication for a guy like, like Popeye Doyle is, is gold. Everything. That's such a great point because- Pre-Nixon gold. It's such a great, <laughs> pre-Nixon gold standard. Um, <laughs> It's such a great point because he's so used to walking into these bars and just line up against the bar, roughhousing everyone, patting everyone down, put, make, putting all their drugs into a cocktail. He's so used to being the bully that he is not the bully anymore, mm. and he's pissed. And now he's going to shoot you in the back to, to, to show you how pissed he is and to get the upper hand, whatever he can do now. He's desperate. He's desperate. Well, I think that's what the shot at the end signifies. It's, it's funny you say that. Desperation, because it's, we find out he didn't shoot anyone. It's funny you so say that. So it's just a, like he just shot someone recklessly, and then he goes off and fires another yeah. random shot into the air. Like, he's the, he's really desperate. That's what that I, – I just figured that out now, though. I didn't know that before right now. Well, you nailed it on the head because William Freakin says he's now shooting at shadows. At the very end. Fuck. Yes. I, <laughs> oh, I missed that quote. I, you know what? I think I just. That's became, how fucking bad I think it's I just got. became a movie expert. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just it only, happened. It only took 72 podcast episodes. <laughs> that's, honestly, Jay is like my muse. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Jay made me think that thought. Is that just not perfect? It's perfect. He's, that, he's, he's madness. I now. have a he's note. He's descended into madness. I have a note. To be, I fair, to be fair, I think you proclaimed yourself an expert around episode nine. But don't <laughs> no, go I really on. am. I have a note. I don't like the ending. Why did you have him fire a shot? It's a weird tone. Well, but finding out and really, really understanding that he is desperate makes that shot make sense. Because mm -hmm. he just shot someone by accident. And he fucked and up. He's, and he's, and he's still out there firing <laughs> shit into the air. And then we find out... At, with all the post-credit shit, he didn't shoot anyone. Right. He's just firing off into the air. Right. So that is representation of his desperation at the end of the movie. The movie ends with him desperate and unsettled, mm -hmm. which is, I don't, it is a weird tone, but I, I didn't think of that. I, and it you know, never I gets gotta, solved. It never I, gets resolved. I gotta mm -hmm. say, Artie, before when you said you didn't like the ending in the very beginning of this podcast, I was taken back because I, I mean... I love this ending. This ending gives me chills, and I think it's up there with one of the better endings of the movies we've covered. It To me, there's a level of fulfillment in its ambiguity with what we just went through, where it's like, we're gonna, we're gonna catch this guy. We, this whole oh, movie's been leading up to, we're gonna catch this guy. We finally got it. We got to do the wave back to him. Hmm. And he's gone. And it's like, he can't be gone. And it's like, he's this gone. This son of a bitch and is still there. It, it's a... 
it's like a it's like a chill down the spine of it's like a ghost was just here uh, that that's I, how season two of the wire ends i'm not even great yeah like they just they, they <laughs> yeah. get away with it like yeah i i love the ending of this one i mean even roy, roy scheider who i mean he hasn't been as crazy as gene ha- as popeye doyle he's like you shot uh Muldrig, right <laughs> these guys re- reloading they don't give a shit He's, He's like, like, this son of a bitch is still in here. Yeah. yeah. I saw him. I mean, unfazed. Like tunnel vision now. Now he's like psychotic. Yes. 100%. Now, so this is, so this location here is, uh, I, I'm not totally sure if they actually filmed it here, but there's, it's supposed to be Randall's Island, essentially. So for, for listeners who aren't familiar with the area, Randall's Island is essentially an island under the bridge that connects Queens and the Bronx. And they have, I mean, now they have, it's a, it's a big, big field. They have a stadium there. Music they have, festivals. Uh, music festivals, concerts. And, stuff. and then there's also like Rikers Island, I believe, is kind of like the separate island around the same area there. But prison. it is a, it's a, there's a descent to Randall's Island when you go. If right. you've been there, you're, you're, you get, you're, instead of, you get off one bridge, instead of going to another, you, you kind of descend down the spiral to this island. Hmm. And if you, kind of make that ra- it's not the easiest place to escape from you know it's not it's not like you've cornered someone completely but you know you see how the police set up in the movie they built they stopped that ramp and they're like we've got him you know now it is right. an island so the guy probably got on a boat or something i mean it, it, this this happened in real life yeah, so it's, it's he, he did escape right so knowing the the topography a little bit of the of the map and the setup there is gives kind of adds to those chills a little bit too it's like oh this is you can see how the cops thought they had him and thought this is all they had to do and this is it and the fact that this guy got away i don't know but i bet you in real life that guy was never in the car driving over the bridge that guy was like fuck it i'm leaving on a boat like <laughs> you're taking me to another boat you're Maybe. taking me to another boat that i mean can we this talk? this scene happened this is this right but that the oh, the over the bridge scene with the two of them in the car oh, definitely that might not happened. Have. Yeah, no, no, no right. that he wasn't in that car. Yeah, probably not. Sal yeah. was in that. Yeah, car. they needed to get the, they needed to get the wave in. They needed yeah. to get the dramatic wave. Well, right. can we talk about this right? Because I do love how they search the car. Right, we haven't talked about the car search. I'm yet. saving it for right, the next. Let's go. All right, so let's saving go to that because it goes because what I. All right, before yeah, I'm gonna kick it okay. off to you. I do want to just cap off that that last scene we just discussed. Acorns. Well, this in saying in saying what you know that that actually happened. Two things added to the scene that did not happen in real life were the two shootings. So Sal Boca was not shot. He li- he survived, was given a, a, a sentence, and was dismissed early. And the Maldrick, Muldrick character was not shot. That was completely added in for dramatic effect. That was not not real. Well, what yeah. I love is that this we're talking about when they drive. When you think Fernando Ray and Sal Boca are driving in the car and they're going over the bridge, we haven't seen the cops tail them yet, right? They search the car. They saw the drugs in the car. They give the car back, and then you never see. And then you see um, Devereaux and Fernando Ray talk, and then you see Ray take the car to the warehouse. They don't need to because the only way out. Is right. That so, bridge. but the, as I'm watching it, I'm like, wait, did the cops just like give? The, obviously, I you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, they want to just give him the car and then stop following him. So when are the cops coming? And I love that shot when they're going over the bridge and you see the blockade, and yep. you're like, there Amazing. they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the that whole, shot uh, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, given given the drugs shot. and, and yeah. giving him the drugs and let him go in. That's yeah. an all time shot that's been copied a hundred million times. Yeah. That's a really fucking awesome shot. Yep. 
they casted the guy who actually took the par part in the real life. Guy. He's like, well, come on, man. He's like, uh, I, uh, well, I mean, what the, is he the two cops were in this. Like, Egan is their supervisor. Yeah, and... so, yeah, right. Egan and, and uh, Sonny Grasso are in the movie. So Egan is the supervisor. is the supervisor. And Sonny Grasso is the uh, the guy who's tailing him in Washington, D.C. I mean, they go in D.C. and the guy in the distance oh, yeah. watching that Sonny. He doesn't have a line, but he's On the, he's on the yeah. steps, yeah. On the steps, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said the stump man was in it. I mean, this is... Yeah, no, anyone who can, uh, who has a pulse is getting right. We're not, we're not this paying now. actors in this. We're, <laughs> we're letting everyone. But but the fact that they had the guy who took the car apart for the real case, right? In the film, taking the car apart on camera. What a cool little thing of awesome. casting! Yeah. I ripped everything uh, out of here except the rocker panels. He's now, like, "Well, come on, what well, are we what, doing?" Why? I was going to save it for the nitpick zone, but. Why the fuck are you ripping well, everything we'll out except, except the one we'll, thing? We'll save it for Fucking the... Fucking uh, rip that out. We'll save it for the next. But so, that is a brilliant part where Roy Scheider's character has some brilliant p- detective work when he talks about yeah, the, weight the, the weight of the car. Of the car. Yeah. I, 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 want to, I want to talk about the auction. Okay. Okay, yeah. For the buy car. a car for... Uh, Absolutely. This is super ahead of its time. This felt like Sopranos wire mixed together where um, he's like, that's our bitter... It's like, yeah, he's going to bid on this car. This car is going to be dumped off somewhere else. Like, it, it's a super sinister strategic plan, and we're only getting it in little bits. Right. Like, we're a little late to the party. Yeah, we, and, we are. And, and, and kind we're of late to the party movie. the whole movie. And that adds <laughs> so are the tension. Cops. Right. We're the cops. Like, yeah. That's why it's filmed that way. Like, yeah. we're a little late to the party. The, the bad guys are ahead of the audience and the cops. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a cool vibe. And it's the first time I've ever felt this vibe in a Best Picture winner. Yeah. Where the bad guys were ahead of the cops, other than the Godfather, where the bad guys are the, the protagonists. Yeah, uh, The Departed would come to mind. I got some but Departed that, but, vibes but he, here. Uh, well, definitely got Departed yeah. vibes. But, um, I, I, yeah, Mark Wahlberg wins at the end. Uh, they're, but they're ahead of them. The, the, that's a lot of cross action. But I do right. That's, I that's vaguer. That's another movie where Marty didn't like. He didn't see what it was based on. He just filmed the movie. Oh really? Like, he didn't. He's like he didn't. He didn't watch the. He, fr- he didn't watch he the source, Infernal. He took I think it's Infernal Affairs. He adapted it separately. He took the script and he directed the movie. He okay. didn't worry about the other movie. But uh, I wanted to ask you, Marty, because you kind of your, your intro to this was leaning more on the negative side. You did say on your first watch. Um, what I want you to kind of bring up some of the, uh, for the, for the people who are listening, who don't fully dig this movie, what are some of your drawbacks here? What are some of the things you don't love about this best picture winner? So it, it, uh, like I said, it feels a little more like a movie. But I I want you to expand on what, why, why I'm, I'm, this is my thesis. Then I, then I elaborate. It feels a little more like a movie than a film. It feels like a 90 minute episode. There are not a lot of thematic elements to this movie. It's pretty straightforward, cut and dry. While it's super entertaining, and I really, enter, I really enjoy the uh, cinematography and the editing and and the sound editing and the score. I, I, I don't dislike this movie, but when I said underwhelming at the beginning, I expected to be blown away by this movie. Like, I expected to love this movie. The first time watching it was this past Saturday with my wife, and the whole time I'm like, this, I I pitched it to her as, I heard this is like a really good, like, thrilling movie from, like, the 70s. She likes thrillers, so Mm. I say thrilling to pitch it. It's a really good thrilling movie from the 70s. It's like a cop 
chasing criminals movie. Um, and, you know, halfway through, I'm like, all right, this is all right. And it got a little better. And then, you know, it ended with a hurrah, but then I didn't love the ending the first time. So it, I don't know. It, what did, it what did your wife think, think of it? Uh, <clears throat> she, she, she said she liked it, but she's like, I don't know about a Best Picture winner. Hmm. Um, but I do see the influence. Yeah. And this is one of, it's going to sound contradictory. Hey, we're hashing this out. It is contradictory. Out. We're hashing this out today. This is a discussion. You this is to... one of the more, is this a word, foresightful wins that the Oscars have picked for a movie, I, was, I would say. It's funny because I'm looking at the DVD and like I see the little Oscar at the bottom. And it, I, I thought the exact same thing during this podcast that you just said was, how did the Oscars see how, how this movie was going to be so instrumental in influencing so many things right. down the line. Yeah. I, right. I, I, think it's, I think it's hard for us to put in the shoes as to how different this was. At when it came time. out. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is that there was just, no, and we're coming out of the sixties, which is like, it's just inundated with musicals, musicals and correct. studio pieces and studio mm-hmm. sets and, Everything and this is, is MGM as rugged Hollywood. As it gets. It's as rugged this as it is, gets. This is yeah. grab the, the camera. Running. We're gonna right. go ninety miles per hour under and, an L train in New York City, baby. Let's and go. And I feel like you know? that's and why I, you say underwhelming is because that's what it's supposed to be. It, you know, you might be right. Yeah. Like I, underwhelming might not be a bad that's thing right. in this case. <laughs> yeah. It might. It might be that I expected like this f- huge film with all these themes, and I was wrong. It was this rugged thing. Yeah. But you know what? I have a note. It's way better on the second watch yeah, than the it, first it, oh, watch. It is, because you can kind of see where they're going. Yeah. But, I mean, I in watching this as an eighth, seventh, eighth grader in the middle school in the late 90s, you know, when my dad says... Yeah, that this, could this be this confusing. Has, yeah, well, and this has one of the greatest car chases of all time. And as a 14-year-old watching it, I watch it, and I'm like, yeah, I just saw The Rock last week. <laughs> yeah, have you that seen was, uh, Yeah, like, that was <laughs> yeah. a pretty good car chase. Yeah. You know, but, uh, or speed, you know, like, uh, right. but, like it, 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 it's all context. Right. It's all context. And that's kind of one of the things that we do here is we sit down, we hash it out, we put our notes together, and we figure out, uh, yeah. you know, where we stand. Andre, so. give me another good car chase scene from a movie. I think this is more Artie's department here. Well, I'm this. thinking of one that you have admitted He's asking that you. you have just seen recently. Uh, the Mission Impossible? With Robert De Niro. Oh, Ronan. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Great. Yeah, Ronan's a great one. And But that, that's one, though, that I went in knowing it was famous for its car chase, though. So it wasn't like it, it struck me. No, but it's To one, me, nothing a, will beat speed. Like to, that's As far as, like, like automobiles going fast on roads with stakes nothing beats speed like that is that's like that's kind of just shaped me as a as a film it's the first ever r-rated movie i ever saw it was it's it's so high octane and to me that's like when i think of any kind of chase any kind of um high speed thing always going with speed i rented speed from the video from i rented (laughs) i rented speed and watched uh the vhs with my brother three times before we returned it yeah and we were not supposed to watch it like i was like you know, twelve, and he was like nine. It's a, it's a very it's mildly it's very rated saccharine. R. There's R a little movie. bit of yeah. mild, and the, there's a there's a, a decapitation. I think that's probably there's some gotta, gore. With you're the not hand. gonna have that, in yeah, you're not gonna have that in the. I got gum on my seat. Gum. Yet the whiny lady gets <laughs> thrown off the bus. Uh, what else you bus, got? She's Artie. a real life witch, I imagine. <laughs> what else you got? What's uh, what are some other good car chase scenes? Uh, born identity. Ooh. Also, born supremacy. Both of them have phenomenal car chases. Uh, Die Hard. Uh, it's not a, well a car chasing a subway. 
Die Hard with a Vengeance. Nice. Um, he got 30 minutes to make it. He's like, that's fucking impossible. He's like, I'm going to go through the park. He's like, Park Avenue's always crowded this time. He's like, I'm, I didn't say Park Avenue. I said through the park. And he drives <laughs> through Central Park. It's so awesome. I mean, I, 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 Die Hard with a Vengeance is my favorite Die, die Hard movie. Yeah. Hands down, not close. I'm sorry. Um, is it your favorite uh, action movie? It's up there. Certainly up there. It should be, man. Uh, it, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And you're absolutely right that the, the taxi through Fucking Park is <laughs> fucking, amazing. It's, it's filmed yeah. the same as French Connection with yeah. the camera from the side and it yeah. popping over the hills like raw. Gotta throw this in here. This, is, this isn't this is really cars chasing cars. This is people chasing cars, but... Terminator 28, 2. Well, that, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but um, absolutely. We'll yeah. Yeah, go there next, but... 28 days later, when they're trying to change that tire in the tunnel, <laughs> oh, those dude, zombies are coming Jesus after him, Christ. and that's a chase. That is a chase. <laughs> man. That's sweaty. Yeah, that is, a, that is one hell of a scene. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Terminator 2. Yeah, that's him chasing. one of the best chases. Him on the, on the, the motorcycle and the Him just and running the with his pickup truck arms, and putting uh, his hands Makes his it a claws. convertible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then in the, in the fucking 18-wheeler, chasing him yeah. on the... Yeah. That's, that's one. So good. This one had the classic, you know, cop stands in front of the car and says, I need your car for police work. I love it. If you don't get out of that car, like, is are you required to get out of that car? I think car? that's a movie thing. It, I don't know, but, is it legal? I will, a cop but the will first never guy... point a gun at you and say, get out of your car. Like, that's not going to I love that the first guy in this movie ignored nope. him. They're like, nah, nah. Yeah. And then and the other part that got me out loud, but the got me out loud is, when do I get it back? And I'm like, oh, they never ask that. <laughs> yeah, this guy oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, he, he ain't getting it back. No. And then um, he smashes into it back. a wall yeah, and you don't want it back. Two, two others I, I just thought of as, as a senior. Dirty Harry, with he's chasing the school bus. is great stuff there. But but um, Death Proof, man. Where they're like, oh, literally, she's one. like yeah. on top of the car. That's a great one. That's one of the most tense ones that I've ever, ever uh, been a part of there. Love me some Kurt Russell, too. Oh, it got, time in, it got in 60 seconds, of course. <laughs> that movie's a whole car chase, though. That's not fair. <laughs> like, which one? You know? where, where, where Eleanor he, over the thing? Yes, where he goes up the back of the... Come uh, on, Eleanor. That's so ridiculous. Kieran, I know yeah. you like tropes. Trivi- tri- oh, I, I, I'm a, I love me some tropes. Yes. So this wasn't the trope I love, but in the very beginning, they're running after the um, drug dealer down a block i love when people run down streets to music in films especially at the end where they realize like you know they have to go get their lover before they get on the train and they're running down the sidewalk and the camera is dollying the guy's probably in a wheelchair right now dollying alongside music in the background i love that trope Amazing. i think it's great. i'm with you man i love that <laughs> yeah love that this was not that but i it reminded me of, That's of cool. what i like so do we want to do some Twitter questions now? Great note. Or do we yeah. want to do we want to go to the nip? No, let's let's twi- Twitter questions. Let's Twitter twit about it. Okay, all let's right. Twit about it. Okay, so uh, this this is a, a, a good enough segue because we really kind of discussed it. They were Joey R, our very own Joey R. He was uh, feeling active on 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 the X today. X gonna give it to you, and he says, "All time chase scene in this movie. What do you all have as a top three chase scene?" So we just spouted out a bunch. This is an untimely question. Pick three, pick three in no order. I'm going to go this. I'm going to go speed, jump in the gap, right? Chase against uh, against time. No, I'm not going to put that uh, there. I am. So I'm going to go this. I'm going to go speed. And God, I mean, I get maybe Terminator 2 or The Rock. You want to go Terminator 2 is a great one. Terminator 2 is going to be my favorite. I'm going to give you one we haven't done yet. 
with oh. my 1990s um, love. There's a movie called In the Line of Fire starring Clint Eastwood and John Malkovich. Uh, it's a movie I'm very familiar with. Where, um, I just watched it recently. John Malkovich is running on the rooftops, j- jumps the gap, and Clint Eastwood tries to do it. And he doesn't make it, so he's holding on to the edge of the building, and Malkovich comes back for him and holds his hand, <laughs> right? And it's now, fiction. <laughs> and now, now Clint Eastwood pulls his gun out on him, and Malkovich says, "You could shoot me, but if you shoot me, you're gonna die because I'm holding you up from falling. So you have to make a choice. You get to kill me right now, and you'll solve everyone's problems, but you'll die with me, or." You let me. Oh, so he's the Joker. Or oh, Malkovich is a great villain in that movie. He was he nominated. Gets for nominated. Oscar. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. In the line of in the, the line of fire. fire. Yeah. It's the only nomination for the movie was was him. And as, it, it as ends up actor. it ends up with him not shooting John Malkovich and Malkovich saving his life. And I just think that was an incredible chase. Yeah, that's a, that is a good one. I'm gonna Foot go ter- Terminator Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance. And Born Identity. All right, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna. Use, I'm gonna. Use, yeah, you got me to change mine. I'm gonna go with my third one. I'm gonna go Die Hard with the Vengeance. That's an incredible. Through Central Park is this incredible? Yeah, it's it's that's and they're like ch- it's like a chase against time, but that that totally it's in for still me. Still a chase. Like, yeah. You and, uh, Jay, you um, in Line of Fire. What else? P- Pick two more. He said Terminator Two. Terminator Two. Terminator Two. And this. Yeah. And the French Connection. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. There we go. Nice and easy. Little lamb. <laughs> okay, now uh, people want us to just rank things now. Basically, is what's going on here. We've never uh, done that before. Never. never Why never, start now? Never. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Adam from One Thousand One by One. Give me that Gene Hackman Mount Rushmore. Personally, I go French Connection, Unforgiven, Royal Tenenbaums, and The Birdcage. Oh, mine's easy. All right, already. Unforgiven, Birdcage, Enemy of the State, and. <sighs> Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. Uh, I, I, I mean, certainly going. I'm certainly going with French Connection and Unforgiven. I, I think as much as, as much as uh, Wes Anderson gives me Ajita, I am gonna go with Royal Tenenbaums. That's the one movie his that I do hilarious like. Hilarious in that. Uh, I do like him. He in is that. the best character. And let me hold off on my last one that. before I hear what Jay's got to say, because he might he might say something wise. He usually does. French Connection, Unforgiven. I do enjoy Enemy of the State. There's a movie called Night Moves that I would uh, recommend you guys check out. But I'm putting Hoosiers up okay. on my mouth. Hoosiers, that's a good play. Uh, replacements is in the mix too. Got a lot okay, of okay. But I think maybe I'm gonna go with um, Mississippi Burning as my fourth one. Very good. Yeah. I think you um, recently watched that. I, I did. I've seen it a couple times now. Nice. It's a real good one. Yeah, I haven't seen well. We're moving right on to our boy Roy Scheider, Joey R. He's back at it. Roy, Shor- Roy Scheider Power Rankings. And he gives us the movies to rank. <laughs> I only know two movies. French Connection, Jaws, All That Jazz, Sorcerer, and Jaws 2. What you got? Uh, so, Artie, you've only seen the two? It's going to be Jaws, French Connection, and Jaws 2. Have you seen those movies, Jay? Have you seen Sorcerer, Jay? Sorcerer? Yeah. No, I, the library didn't have it. Have you seen all that jazz? <laughs> yes. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So you're you're in play here, and you've seen Jaws too. Yes. Okay. All right. So, uh, give me your rankings. Let's let's count down from Roy uh, Scheider. Roy Scheider rankings. So it's the the movies are French Connection, Jaws, All That Jazz, and Jaws Two. So count down from four. I also haven't seen Sorcerer, so that'll be out. So so you're number four, Jay. French Connection. Okay. Ooh. Damn. Uh, Jaws Two for me. Uh, you're number three. Jaws 2. <laughs> I will go The French Connection. Okay. Yeah, okay. 
Your number two. And all that jazz. Wow, my number two would be Jaws. Huh? And then uh, you're going Jaws. And oh, yeah. Jazz. yeah. What's your number how, one? How come I think all that jazz is for What's your that? one? I think all, the, all that jazz is, is one of the greatest lead actor performances of all he's, time. I mean, Gene he's, Hack, he's, showing his, he's showing his chops in that film. And I have always considered Dustin Hoffman's win as one of the best, best actor wins, mm-hmm. having never seen all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And now I believe Roy oh Scheider should have won. Oh boy! I think it's Are one they of the, both I up think for all that jazz they, and, and Dustin Hoffman was up that wins. year. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. For Kramer, that was seventy nine. Kramer versus Kramer versus that. And 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 listen, I feel like I it's a great performance. Great performance. But all that jazz to me is one of the best lead male performances of all time. Is that one kinda, of the best non-win movies you've seen? <clears throat> all that jazz is easily one of my newly one of my favorites, and probably one of the best movies I first watched in the last two years or so. Wow! Yeah, no, it's that's it's fun. All time great. It's perfect for him being, you know, with his background and everything. It's kind of made for that role, you know? Theater background. The progression of French Connection into Jaws. Into 70s. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, it's so funny. This movie, The French Connection, he said going in he knew nothing about the police other than as an outsider. And he just really had no connection whatsoever to the police department. And then he developed the French connection. No, he, uh, th- they, they became so close to the scene and clo- like riding in the cop cars and doing that, that they filmed that first scene of them chasing the guy through the bar, During jumps Christmas over the bar, time, goes yeah. and the, the, the picking your feet in Poughkeepsie, mm-hmm. which is my line of the movie. Were you picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? <laughs> they filmed it and they said it was so bad, like so bad because Acting. they had no, yeah, it was, it was terrible. It was like, it was he was like, "This movie's gonna suck." They had no character. He, they had no feel for uh, for cops. There was not. There was just like they were actors trying to be cops, mm. and he said it was laughably bad. And then that ended up being one of the last scenes they filmed. They refilmed it, and what you got is what you got, and it's nice. a, a really awesome movie. It goes by the end, we were cops. Right. You know, we got that. We knew what it was. We got. We knew the mentality. And that chemistry is is established immediately between the two of them and the questioning and the. And shake down. To your point earlier, it feels real. They feel real. Yeah. And think about how essential that is three, four years later when he's playing Chief Brody in Jaws and taking that experience and putting it into that Jaws character uh, is incredible. It's incredible. So. There we go. Um, the Andrew Corns, uh, to that, which I think we pretty much just discussed it, is just how amazing do you think... Oh, no, we're now we're moving on to Freakins. Nope, Sorry. Loaded question. How amazing do you think Freakins 3 film... Freakins freaking 3... Film run was from 71 to 77. I think they were freaking amazing. French Connection, Exorcist, Sorcerer. Again, we haven't seen Sorcerer, but to think that this movie and The Exorcist are so different. I was, yeah. yeah. Well, I, on the way over here, I'm just thinking, okay, he did The French Connection and then he does The Exorcist, which for me is the best horror film ever made. So I'm like, this guy is on a roll. What do so. you think is better? Kieran? Jeez. Do you think um, The Exorcist or French Connection is a better film? God. The Connectorcist. Um, the French Connectorcist. Oh, it's like Barbenheimer. Like, Saw Patrol. It's man. just like Barbenheimer. <laughs> you put me on the spot right now, but that's part of uh, being in front of a microphone. Uh, mm, right uh, now, it's The French Connection. It, yeah, the best. When I revisit The Exorcist, it might be The Exorcist. But I, if, if right now, today, November 2023, I, I think The French Connection is the better movie. The best part of being in front of a microphone is being able to talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, he, I he also did a movie called Bug, which I saw, which was 
pretty interesting. I like I like a lot of his movies, so I can't imagine I don't like Sorcerer. I have to see that. I have one that I'll bring up as my uh, recommends later, too. We just did a lot of remake talk last week in The Thing, so we'll try to come around full circle on that. We, now let's do our hot potato, our loaded potato. So this movie was in the news this summer, believe it or not. French Connection? It was, because uh, recent streaming versions of it uh, were censored. Scenes were pulled out of it that used the N-word. It was like one scene, um, two scenes. Yeah, and they were pulled out of the movie. And I think the question we have here is from... No, I don't agree with censorship. I think that's fucking shit bullshit. Artie's hopping the, hopping the lead, but that's... Yeah. The, uh, uh, where does everyone stand? This is from the Revisionist Almanac debuting in January with uh, a very special guest in their pilot episode. He's, uh, he's me. That's me. Uh, we'll be talking the year the King's Speech won Best Picture. Where does everyone stand on the idea of censorship in the film with this movie being in the heart of the conversation this summer? Uh, Artie, you love your loaded statements here. We have James, at James and a bunch of numbers. Perfect film, period. Shame Disney censored it. I don't know if it was Disney that censored it, but it seems like James <laughs> is going after the, God the mouse. God damn it, Walt. Oh, oh listen to... <laughs> We're going to take out this N-word scene. Oh. <laughs> The French connection belongs to the mouse now, and you're gonna like it, damn it! Ha ha! <laughs> Roy Scheider! Popeye Doyle is my bitch! <laughs> this is a real slippery slope with this when we start. I mean, listen. I don't think it is. I think censorship is bullshit. It's art. Period. Simple. Yeah, especially when you're doing it based on contemporary standards. Not to say that the N word is should be said or that it's acceptable, but. Be aware you know, that it was made in a time when it was different. And, and you know, if you listen to the commentary, Jay, I mean, you heard it too. I mean, Freakin said this. It's important that you understand that this man is a racist. Like, that's right. kind of important to the character because this isn't your, your man on a white horse. Like, he's not, you know, he's not Superman. You know, he's a gritty, dirty, nasty cop who doesn't follow the rules, you know? And, he has and prejudices. There is, and this isn't a movie with a lot of dialogue. So what that line holds power and in listening to Roy Scheider talk about the movie he said he was in theaters where there were members of the audience who were black who erupted in applause at that scene because it was like yeah finally someone's saying it how we hear it just because it's real yeah this is what we well hear. that's why I fucking hate censorship yeah censorship is censoring reality mm -hmm. when it's conveyed through an art medium yeah, now if you're Fuck having that shit. like if you're having like Superman just be racist and have him portrayed as like an, a perfect person, yeah, that's bad. We can't have that. That's like Nazi propaganda. We can't have that. Like there are things that you shouldn't Fine, but I wouldn't go back and take something out of a movie. You I would can't. just I would just I would just acknowledge that this movie was made during a time where this was they were less informed about this. They were less educated about this, period. And what is what is different it social climate? There's a million reasons. It's a, yeah. it's a complex thing. Yeah. And in, what's it to say that <clears throat> the opinion of people watching in 2023 should dictate the history of the film and exactly. how it's remembered? Yeah. I don't, I don't think any of this is as bad as the damage that the N-word has done over the years. No one is saying that. This is not what we should be doing here. We should not be censoring. We should not be pulling things out of films. It's a quick line to build character that, that the, the cop is racist. But, uh, yeah. 
And it's, impo- and it's important and to know that the cop's that racist. And using that word lets you know the cop is racist. Wouldn't you like, like to know if the cop hello, is racist? Hello, Django was? Unchained is a fucking movie where they say the N-word. Leonardo DiCaprio is screaming it at people. Yeah. No one's trying to cancel that because of what? It's context? Like... I'll say this, Jay, and I know you'll agree with me here, and we've had this conversation a few times, and I'm sure there'll be members of the audience rolling their eyes, but if you ever wanted another reason for physical media, they can't they can't change my copy, my DVD copy of French Connection right here. It is as it was when it, it was made. Once we become solely dependent on all these streaming services, they can change anything to anything. They can say, this movie you can't access anymore. This is no longer exists, you know? But if you own it, you own it. That's the thing with censorship. You can't start it. Because then where's the line? Yeah, it's book burning. Yeah, we're book burning. It's just digital book burning. Like, I'm going to take out chapters we don't like. Who's we? Fuck that. (laughs) Like, fuck you. Leave it as is and let's live our lives. We covered that pretty good. Jay, anything you want to add? Don't ask loaded questions on Twitter when Artie's on an episode. I'll get mad at you. Jay would like to note that he has left the building and he will not Jay Jay has not condoned anything me or Kieran has said. That's Kieran and Artie B. We took over the segment. Kieran will uh, be the first goddamn people on the podcast. We'll be the last goddamn people on the podcast. (laughs) And only Artie doesn't like Bobby McGee here. All right, guys, we uh, we we braved the Twitter sphere. Let's go ahead and head to that nitpick zone. All right, we should have some music for that. Cars off for twenty five dollars. <laughs> Boy, start not. I didn't even have to ask. Twenty five dollars. It, well, very possible. The, the, his his you know plane ticket. Have? His plane ticket to DC was only fifty four bucks. It's very possible. Last minute too. Yeah. Just, you could buy a car for half a plane ticket. No, maybe you're right. Well, so but these cars were. Yeah, I get it. Were they like, junk or what were they? I guess they were. They were. They were repo involved in shit. crimes or abandoned. 25 bucks is pretty cheap, man. I'm going to... There was an auction that ended at 25. Like, no one was, like, 26. Like, what the fuck? It's a car. It's a really nice car full of heroin. (laughs) (laughs) No one knew that, though, obviously. So, okay, so there's that one. Um, I have a few. Already's taking the ball and run with it. Let's go. Do it. The fake fighting is bad in in the beginning. Weren't weren't feeling the uh, the physicality in the beginning. In the beginning when they catch... The guy that no, no, that's it's shitty. Yeah. Okay. That didn't. I didn't have that reaction to it. I didn't necessarily watch it that that like intensely with it. Like I don't think I. I was in. You know. Like so. I didn't. I didn't have the critical eye going on it. So it, it worked for me. Man. All right. So I. I, I so I, I got to be honest. Like I got halfway through this thing and was like, wow. I don't think I'm gonna have any nitpicks. And then they just came one after another after another. I'm like, oh god. Here we go. The <laughs> yes. second half of this had had a bunch going on here. I'm gonna start small though. I, I really, I think I'm only going to kind of hit three big ones. But I'll start small. I, I, listen, ordering a drink somewhere and walking away is a dick move. I, I can't, it's just a dick move. The person's making something for you. You're talking you, about the you, grape you're drink? Wasting, yeah, I'm talking about the grape drink. I, it's a I, dick I, move. My, I don't it, care that you're, you're you're chasing a heroin smuggler. No, that's a you nitpick pay for, for me the drink. too. Yeah. But it's like, he also left with an apple. And he, he didn't he pay He walks away with the apple. Yeah. So, so like... Uh, well, I just thought they like fucked up continuity there. Like he ordered a grape drink and left with an apple. Could have, yeah, they could have. But why either way, he didn't pay for, for the apple, yeah, and it, and he didn't take the. So he made the guy make the drink. Shitty part drink. of the movie. So listen, anyone who's worked in the service industry before has dealt with this. 
if you're at a bar out there, please, I'm, try, I'm trying to do a public service. If you're at a bar here, and I'm not talking about, I mean, in this instance, he walked away and didn't even pay for it. But if you, if you order a drink at a bar or a store and then go walk away and talk to your friend and leave the person making it waiting for you to come back, stop. Get help. Don't do it. It's, stop it's, it. Get some help. <laughs> it's, it's obnoxious. So uh, the fake, that one stood out. The fake blood in this sucked. Oh, I loved it. It reminded me of what? Lawrence of Arabia. I know. And it reminded me of like uh, no, the I I've actually in the beginning. I've actually oh a couple times. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like both of them. A I've times. I've grown to love this. I don't know why. Like I heard someone say this once. Be like, oh, I love when that blood just looks like like Crayola melted red. I'm like, you know what? I like it too. I've been criticizing this in the past, but I like know, it too. Like I think that, I criticize it in, in Lawrence of Arabia. Like I kind of think it's a little charming. That's fine. I like it too. But as a nitpick, that's not what blood looks like. Yeah, no, of course not. And, I, so and when a movie, and when a movie, we're in the NPC. We're in the NPC. Of course, there is. There is. In a movie that's emphasizing realism. Yeah, like yeah, yeah bright red blood. It does look like the melted Crayola, though. It, I'm it, all yeah, for kung yeah. fu, kung fu yeah, yeah, violence. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. all for that. Yeah. Um, no, that's fair. That's fair. Why, when uh, Alan Elaine mm-hmm. gets ferried to the island to the castle to meet the the uh, celebrity? Devereaux and Pierre. He picks something up out of the water mm-hmm. and just takes a bite of it. Yeah, this yeah. is and this was what? covered. Uh, is that a mollusk? What is it, that? So it is a form of mussel. I, I didn't. Yes. So a, a freaking covered this in the commentary. It's a it's a kind of mussel. I didn't quite get the name. Did you you, did you write the I name down? The name, yeah, but it is like it tastes like a mussel. It's like a mussel, and, and you, that apparently and that's how you eat. Apparently, it. it's tasty. That's fucking rough. And they're yeah, they're it right like around. An, there. It looked like eggs and animal laid. He, he picks it up out it. of a. A, a hole in the concrete, <laughs> yeah. but apparently they it's grow like around that island. And that castle is the castle from the Count of Monte Crisco. Cristo. It was so beautiful. <laughs> the actual. That's the actual castle. That's the uh, and apparently is very desolated. Like no one, you'd see someone point. if they were following you. So you would see someone if they were following it's you. Yeah, brilliant. That's one of the things. Yeah. Um, and and uh, just, uh, I mean, the, the scouting location there is isn't it crazy. The, how the location it, scouting there is incredible. When you were talking about how we ended up in the warehouse, we started in the streets of France, and then in the beginning and the end is a where abandoned warehouse in uh, Randall's Island, and you just say, like, <laughs> uh, which looks like a like, like jigsaw between, was, yeah. would be scouting it for his next, his next move. Uh, it's uh, honestly the the spots they picked in this, mm. the location scouting in this, yeah, is beyond brilliant. Yeah. They knew what they wanted this movie to look like and they knew the types of places they needed to find. And I know that one of William Freakin's favorite movies is Lawrence Arabia and that it's is one freaking of the favorite movie. Yeah, and that's it's that's one of the movies that we've discussed that I've talked about the location scouting it being being picture perfect, perfect. and it's, it's not a surprise that he did, did the same for this. Do okay. you um have any more nitpicks? Oh, I do. Yeah. Uh so let's you brought up the blood on the train. Let's talk about the train. Okay, that train would be derailed. I mean, a, a train going full speed. There was an emergency stop thing. Did you not miss? Did you not see that? And and a train going top speed out of control is gonna emergency stop at any point. Uh, it wasn't out of control. It was just top speed. But that emergency brake thing it hit puts it to a stop. It would have 
probably derailed. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like that was that was the to me was the cheesiest part of the movie was the was the train crash. But there was a like, really cool camera shot. Oh, there was a really cool camera oh. shot. Really cool camera shot of the camera. Very cool. Full, pulling up to the, the yep. butt end of the train as it crashed. And then the and then the, then, the, the, then the next shot immediately after of that kind of like reverse yep. reverse run. Super cool. But when we zoom to the guy doing the the wobble like a subway car coming to a, an abrupt yeah, stop. Yeah, like, you're not on a ride. And then like a, a window breaks and he falls and dusts himself off. I mean that that was like I got the Nick Pixel pen right out of that and it dabbed it on my tongue and in the quill and. Yeah, no good, no good. That train derailed. That's carnage right there. No one's walking away from that. I have another nitpick. The Spanish accent on the French gentleman, Alan, Elaine. Was that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Accent Fern- issues. Fernando Ray. Yeah. Well, I didn't get the accent, though. I didn't I didn't. Oh, hear yeah. At one point, accent, he yeah. goes, at one point, he says, like, Jew would know. Like, he yeah. says it, like, in Spanish. Yeah. Like English I, in a Spanish accent, a, and you were a Spanish minor. Right? I took Spanish for eighteen years. Yeah, yes. no, that's I, right. I'm, just, I know Spanish for the for the listener who might be rolling their eye at home. We we have, yeah. we have some Spanish and Russian minor, right? Double minor. Uh, no, I did that for a little bit, yeah. but that was a little too much. Yeah, I um, had read also that his French was not that good, and it's actually dubbed over. That may be okay. Real, there you go. Look at that. Real, Look at Artie real, scoring a real. scoring a scoring a point in the uh, in the nitpick zone. Do you know what I'm talking about? He did the uh, he did the uh, the ski ball and he got in the center ring on that one. <laughs> hey, boom! I got in. Very good nice. Intuition. Very nice. Who are you doing? Okay, guys? I, I got a I got one that really. <laughs> Rosie Perez. Who are you doing? I don't know. Oh, Billy, you're so stupid. Do you don't know what I'm talking right. about? Uh, no, I'm doing Sofia Vergara. I got you. Before we get to the, the car. <laughs> And then t- disassembling the car, I got I got a big one here that I, and I watched this scene like four times to go because this one really kind of annoyed me. Cool. This is the sniper scene. The sniper had him scouted. Obviously, he's walking home. He's waiting for this shot, like any sniper would be. I mean, it's- there was no wind I, on the second watch. I watched for that. There was oh, no okay, wind. That's even better. I didn't even. I mean, there was that's, no that's wind. Great. That's amazing. Nothing was right, blowing. So he's waiting for this shot. Yep. It's the M and M. You got one shot. Let's like. He waits until the exact moment that Gene, Gene Hackman is crossing this woman in the carriage the and woman. shoots the woman in the carriage, and Gene Hackman scrambles to the tree. Dude, no. And, and there was no right. one coming next. Like, all he had to do was wait for Popeye to pass the woman, move closer to the target, and then shoot him clean in the neck or the chest or the head or wherever he wanted him. Like... Why would he wait when he crossed paths with someone? It makes absolutely no sense. This is like um, one I'm very, very confident. The, the, this is where they needed something to happen in the story. It so was they total movie yeah, drama. It was total movie drama. It was up the body Great count. Nitpick. Great nitpick. Up the body count. Up the drama. Start the tension for the end of the movie. And it's my second sniper nitpick in as many episodes. There we go. We're getting hit what in was the sniper the last one? of the thing. We got after the sniper there, too. Uh. He might not have been a skilled sniper, so but this guy was an assassin. He was a born killer. Like, yeah, the guy's on. a fucking shooter. Yeah, he might not have been a born killer. He might have gone astray. I don't yeah, know let's, that. But, let's, but he was—he's a trained killer. All right, there we go. Uh, all right, Artie, do you have anything left not pertaining to the to the smuggled car? Because that's where we're going next. Um, honestly, all my notes are scribbled out. I have nothing left. Okay, so I don't let's even talk know if about I have any awards. Let's talk about the sm- <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the smuggled car here. Uh, Artie, you, you had some nitpicks. With the taking apart the car and 
uh, yeah, yeah. the rocker panels. I took away, <laughs> I took apart everything except the rocker panels. Yeah, I can't find it. You want to find it, you look. I took everything out except for the, the heroin cubby on the side. I didn't look at that. It might be there. <laughs> That's the only, the only... The only compartment I didn't check is the one I would use if I was a heroin dealer <laughs> sending heroin across the Atlantic Ocean. Like, we're, we have exhausted all options except for one, and I'm exhausted, so I'm not going to look at it. I'm not, not going to exhaust it. that last one. You know what? I'm exhausted enough. Come on. That last one's not ahead? getting exhausted. You can look if you want. You know and- what? This one requires the most effort, so I wasn't willing to do it. But I will do it now because you are so burdened. Um. So, the, if you have access, if you have access to the weight of the cars, why not check that first before picking apart the car? Dude, right? that drove me nuts when Roy Scheider's like, "What was the weight of the car?" It's, it's like, like we're just all going on the hunch. Like George, it's just his hunch. Geez. Like the hunch, the hunch, the hunch, and then we don't find it. But we wait. Maybe there's some math that can prove the hunch. Isn't it like you have the hunch and then you do the math and then you take the car apart? Not like the order if is real mixed up. If you think there are drugs built into a car and you know they weigh it upon taking the car, don't you just go, oh, compare it to the factory weight? Right, which you have from different locations because it was important. Oh, it's in the different. Yeah. Okay, let's break it apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The- Oh, it's to the exact pound? Okay, let's not break it apart and waste our time. This was fun here on this because if you listen to the to the comment, me and Jay listened to the commentary for this one. There was a point where like William freaking got kind of angry and emotional at it. Yes. And it was pertaining to nitpicks about the movie. Like so I'm like, this is amazing. Like he's like ready for the nitpick zone. And one of the biggest nitpicks in the movie is about the car. And that is that people people would say that there's no possible way that they could put the car back together without the, without the, the felons and Devereaux and them noticing. Well, so that was. What I thought that immediately because the white powder and the the metal they destroyed to remove the heroin stuff, when it was perfectly the same as it was in the first scene, that's impossible. So his response, and he got like he got like mad as he's like explaining it. He's like. So the, the 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 lapse of time was way longer than you're led to believe as the viewer. It was like hours. So there's like it's like six to seven hours. Like the, like de, like in in reality, Devereaux was waiting there for a very very long time. They put the car back together meticulously, and they actually did do that. Like the, they took it apart, and the guy who took it apart and put it together was the guy doing it in the movie. So there is an authenticity to that. That's why I think that's why he was getting pissed. Like. I fucking had the guy in the movie. Like, he didn't say that. That's not an impression, but that was kind of what you could tell he wanted to scream and say. I imagine he's freaking like that. And it was returned to them the exact same way they found it, and that's how good these guys are at at disassembling and reassembling. As rough as they are at acting, as uh, you know, you throw the towel against the wall like a like a child. Like you, yeah, but you find didn't even notice Ugh. they're acting in this. <laughs> well, like the, the mechanic was a bad actor. Uh, you find it. Yeah. I had him recast. He's not an actor. <laughs> well, wait for it. Wait for it. He's not an actor. He's not an actor. Okay. Oh, um, good. All right. We're it. good on nitpicks. Let's head to awards. Yes. Awards. Da-da. Jay, uh, you were uh, one foot in, one foot out of a nitpick. You're ready for the awards. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, no. Jay, why don't you give your MVP in this thing? Oh. Artie, you're going to like this one. Don Ellis, the music man. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's go. Great choice. Great um, choice. I love the music. 
I, I phenomenal. You know, I, my honorable mention is is somebody that I could easily pick the MVP too. But I feel like giving Don Ellis the spotlight was a very good choice. I loved it. I love Chase music. I love this music. Um, already, what? already, already went into depth about how how much Strings. he liked it, and I agree with everything he said before. No. Okay. I love you, Artie. MVP. Uh, Owen Roisman, the director of photography, cinematographer. Artie loves his uh, his DOPs. His I directors think of photography. this cinematography. Some of the chase scenes where like Roy Scheider cuts out and like cuts left off screen, and then you see it's a lot of like he kind of made filming in New York City feel like f- stage filming. Where, like, a guy would leave stage, but then, like, a guy would enter stage. So when when Hackman leaves stage, Scheider enters stage. And the camera refocuses and follows him. Super cool way to follow a chase scene. And I think he is just awesome. If I knew the editor's name, he might have won MVP. The editor who won the Academy Award? Yeah. The Academy Award for film editing? You mean that guy? Mr. Greenberg, right? Yeah. Gerald Greenberg? Yeah, him and Owen. Them, those two. But Owen's my main yeah, guy. Yeah, Gerald B. Owen's Greenberg. Owen's my main guy. Gerald Greenberg for the, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Isn't I, it crazy this one best screenplay? We didn't even have one. Yeah. They probably wrote the screenplay <laughs> after they filmed <laughs> the movie. They, they, they did. They did. And then wrote they put did, it together. But that's, that's still a screenplay. Born, uh, Born Identity did the same thing. That's incredible. Step Brothers did. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, Step Brothers didn't have a screenplay. <laughs> well, no, they didn't have, but they, there is a screenplay. Right. There's a story. That's like Austin you can Powers. Purchase the, Austin Powers, he wrote in like a week. Right. He's like, you here's the story. But you can purchase the screenplay for it. It exists because it's after the fact. But that's what this was. This was after the fact, too. Right. Okay, so my MVP is William Freakin. Uh, Good for you. I mean, I, this was an easy one for me. Good freaking MVP. He, he put the pieces together. Well, perfectly. I am not surprised. He, him, <laughs> the thought of him in the back seat with the camera while Gene Hackman is going ninety underneath a, a New York City Brooklyn L train, and he was the one doing it because he had no women, and, yeah, no wife, and, and, and he goes. <laughs> and his, his quote on that. <laughs> His quote on that is, he goes, at that stage of my life, I was young and, and dumb, and right. and I would never do anything like that today. today crazy. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Crazy, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's nuts. God, the 70s, what a time to be alive. Dude, Chris would know. He's not here today. I was born to be a 1970s cop, fueled by alcohol, following people around. <laughs> Getting this handcuffed is, to your bed. This is... Not that. <laughs> this is what Fortunately, I was we've, uh, to we've be. proved as a society that that's not the case. As opposed to you now, who is not a cop but fueled by alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have the authority <laughs> to go around following people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> accusing them of crimes. Does it mean, yeah. Evolution is, is a <laughs> fucking thing. bullshit. I should have that authority. <laughs> Evolution is a wonderful thing. Scheider shared a story about how they freaking and and Hackman would go to lunch, and he wouldn't be invited, and he it was really pissing Schreider him off. Wouldn't be yeah, Schreider wouldn't be invited. He was really pissing him off. He said, why do they keep going to lunch and not inviting me? This is bullshit. And he found out later that the lunches were Hackman demanding to have lunch with with Friedkin to complain, you know, because he's he's an actor who cares very much about character and what he's doing, and he's like, I, you got me out there. I'm, I don't know what my character is. He's like, you just got this asshole cop who's just doing... He's, just doing this and this, there has to be some. There has to be something to humanize him. There has to be a, 
And Friedkin's like, nah, that's just who he is. That's who he is. You got to play him as he is. Wow. And he's like, no, no, no. I, I need another layer. I need something else. I need to. And he goes, no, no, no. This is who he is. This is this is the character. Play this character. And that's what. And they're going on all these lunches. And he wins the Oscar. Yeah. You know? Amazing. <laughs> and it's like, that's great directing. Oh, that's an, won yeah. For this? Hey, yeah, he won oh, wow. the lead actor. So they, that is know. that is like, that is a director <clears throat> honing in. You don't always have to be that that method actor who needs to go and do this whole thing like sometimes you just got to do the job that's in front of you right. and then you win the oscar and nobody knew these guys better than freaking yeah who you know said i knew everything about these guys he how said they he talked. knew this case like yeah. the guys who worked it yeah. everything yeah it's great yeah it, it's it's a, a wonderful performance from him lvp gotta be honest this was a tough one for me do you want me to go first Shay? yeah you go okay this was very tough for me it's you know when you get these movies that are an hour and forty five minutes or an hour and forty minutes that are airtight and they know exactly what they want to be and they don't give you too much to time to waste. Yeah, like, who am I it's picking? a little tricky. So this was a little this was a little bit of a, a kind of a um, a line in the sand moment for me where it's like what are we asking when we ask LVP? We asking for the if we go with the abbreviations the least valuable. I'm glad you struggled player. with this too. This yeah. is hard. The this least movie. valuable player. So am I picking? Am I picking the worst actor in the movie, or am I picking the part of the movie that held the least value? And I think the question is the last because if I'm picking the worst actor, it's the mechanic. But he had great value because he was the guy who worked the case. Pivotal, yeah. Having him in the movie, having his hands move around the vehicle. That's an important visual, and I love the the shot. Already, the the uh, the DP was your MVP. The shot of the car being lifted up mm. on uh, uh, and, oh, and, and then slowly Hackman revealing Hackman's disappointed oh, face. What a shot! Amazing. What a shot! Mm. That one and the and the uh, the blurring in the window and refocusing. Those are the two that were like these. These are big time, big yeah. money shots here. And the shot over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think ultimately my LVP is, is like where is an area where this movie could have had more value when I'm ranking it versus other movies. And I thought that they could have done more to humanize Roy, Sh uh, Roy Scheider's character, Cloudy. I, I don't think they gave him- Who do you him... blame for that? Who's your LVP? It's, it, would be the, it would be the screenwriter or oh, writers. I and, literally just and... wrote screenwriter for LVP. Oh, I think his character could have been more humanized and more developed. We talked about you know, how you develop character through actions, this and that. Which is fine, but give him a little more run. Mm. I mean, he was nominated for the Oscar, which is incredible. It's it's it really is because he doesn't have that scene. He he's doesn't have screen. that. Scene. He's like, on what screen was, a lot. What was his video clip? Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Roy Scheider for uh, <laughs> the French Connection. That's my partner. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the nomination though. It's, it's oh a, yeah. I mean, he's a it's great. A, actor. It's a he's great. It's set, inspired. Yeah. It's an inspired nomination because it's a lot of facial reactions. It's a lot of having to wear the burden of the situation, the scene, without dialogue. So it's yeah. it's a cool nomination. But I, I would have, to me, the LVP is not using that character right. more, add five minutes to the movie to give him a little more time to ingratiate with the audience. So right. that that's my LVP, is the, is the development of his character. Maybe like we went to Doyle's house, maybe go to... Cloudy's house. Yeah. 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 Give yeah. him a scene at his apartment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just a, and, and it's a short enough movie where you can add a little bit and do that. So that's cool. A tricky one. It kind of uh, yes. had a little bit of a, a, of a, a philosophy issue there. It's but never easy. Yeah. My LVP is Devereaux. 
Ah, Devereaux. <laughs> oh, this guy. This poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> a sad sap. Did he know he was doing something illegal? That's what I want to know. Oh, or is he he might have been a Joey R target. Like, just getting into a car because somebody told him to. I don't know what he, what he knew, but... Apparently his daughter to this day swears that he knew nothing and that he was a total patsy. And he gets and, the most <coughs> time And he got prison. the most time of anyone involved. That Crazy. In the case, yeah. I wanted to pick Devereaux for LVP. He was my only candidate, but he was actually kind of good. Wait. When at the end, I when agree. he's like, when he's like, when he's like, no, I'm walking away. Like, like I don't care what. Uh, yeah, yeah. The character, the character, and the actor. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was pretty good. So I, I, I agree. I, and I, I love I the my, look. I love that slimy. Like, it just he just he just looks to me like that. Patsy villain that with the, the the hair and the glasses and the turtleneck and the, it's just it's, like that's yeah. if if you asked me to draw up what I want him to look like I, I think I'd draw that. <laughs> well, so. I guess because you know you had your reason for LVP. I guess my reason was just because when I read that last you know title card you know thing by you know about him at the end I just went ah. Oh. You did the in yeah, no, he, was, yeah. he was he was the biggest a, loser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Biggest, yeah. There you the, go. The he was the biggest Goodbye. loser. <laughs> so my LVP is the screenwriter. Because there was no screenplay going into the movie, so he just yeah. wrote down what everyone said at the end. Yeah. Well, and you don't an add Oscar, a lot of value. An <laughs> you don't add a lot say, of value. He transcribed. I think his friend he's the best uh, trans- Oscar might uh, have something <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, well, he's he, he's the best transcriber. Participation award. Jay, you'd like to go first here. Give a little love to someone. Uh, Will freaking. Oh, okay. You're going right to that's a big, it's a big guy to get the. Uh, he was because uh, you know he could have been my MVP easily, but I like giving Don Ellis the spotlight. If you guys don't say who I have written under him, then I'll say my other guy because I, I really think this guy deserves a lot of credit too. Already participation word. The guy who tests the heroin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, that's the spirit of the award right He's there. He's fucking awesome. Amazing. <laughs> he is like the guy in Blow is like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy. Do you mind if I try some? Like, he's, he's, he's the guy. awesome. He's the guy who doesn't he ask the, what movie he's in. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I'm, I'm, I got it. I got my character. I know what I got to be. You that, could be. This could be a Disney movie. This could be a horror movie. And this he could be it. a cop movie. I'm doing this, and we're getting it. Yeah, dude, that's wow. amazing. That's, that's a great the choice. One. That's, that's the choice. one. Oh, now I get what the spirit of the award is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to be good. Can, yeah. Be memorable. 20th gotcha. Century Fox. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so my uh, my participation award uh, is going to go to Fernando Ray. He had me at the wave. I mean, that that's that wave is, to me, the, the indelible moment of this entire movie. And, and when Popeye gives him the wave back and we know that it's going to be in vain... Incredible. So I, I got to go. I, I love the the whole casting story with him that Jay uh, brought up is incredible, yeah. and gotta give uh, gotta give my love to the heel there who inspired our our guy the Greek in season two of The Wire. So. I love so, how hard you laughed when I said the guy who tests the heroin. You're like, no, that's a great, that's a great, that's that's a that's a that's a one category right there. You just won the category. So I have to a thousand percent agree with you. He, I have Fernando Ray written under Freakin's name. Um, I think he is a incredible villain and he's not a stereotypical ugly angry villain not at all 
and he does an incredible job. They tried to cast a stereotypical. Uh, and and, <laughs> and once they saw him, they're like, no, this is even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah. great. Great answer. Amazing. Time Machine Recast. A little tricky here. Take anyone from any time. Put them in this film. Artie, you ready to go? Here, oh, boy. I'm a little scared. I, when I don't you're, like when you, you announce that I'm ready to go. Well, I you raise you your hands. Like, so well, well I just I get scared. Well, I get scared. I wish you would. Yeah, I wish you would make it natural. Like, I was not. That was my natural reaction was fear. So, so you know when. Uh, Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider raid that uh, bar full of drugs. Yeah. And the undercover cop walks out and he's like, who, where have you been? He's like, who are you talking to me, baby? I recast that undercover cop because he's an undercover cop too with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had a little bit more punch to that character. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I, I, I think it's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Richard Roundtree came to mind too. The uh, the guy who plays the original Shaft. So you have the two Shafts. Could have been good good roles for there. I was so, thinking Shaft. Yeah, yeah, so. you got that Shaft vibe. I have a recast that I I really like, but it is a guy that I feel like has been used here a few times, so it makes it a little. It's like it's like you're filling out the grid, and you you know this is a good one, but I've used this several yeah, times. I, use that great uh, I don't know that I've used it, but I, this has definitely come up. But so for um, Sal Grasso, who is a, a good character, but I'm, I'm not in love with the actor in this movie, personally. I think he does a fine job. Sal Boca. Sal Boca. You're right. Not Sal, Sal Boca. Sal Boca. The owner of the deli with the... With the yeah, he gets, gets shot at the end there. Like the character, don't necessarily love the the actor. He's kind of a little plain Jane. I want to bring John Bernthal into the mix here. I think <laughs> I think he'd be electric. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's in Sicario. He's in oh, Sicario. God. He's yeah. uh, the Punisher? I yes, he's also yeah. the Punisher. Yeah. I thought yeah. of him. I yeah. thought of him wow. and Andy Garcia for um, that guy. Oh, that's good. He looks like Sal Boca. Yeah. <laughs> he's that's the te- he's the tennis coach in the uh, the Will Smith. Uh, I thought um, of him. Oh wow, good <laughs> deal. <laughs> Richard uh, King Richard. King, yeah, uh, yeah. I just think he would add an electricity to that to that character that would would make it stand out a little nice. better because the, good the actor was. Yeah, that actor was very just kind of just plain. He's flat. He was flat. That's a good word. For Already him. would yeah. say underwhelming. Flat. flat is the flat. yeah. Flat is the he word. had no vivaciousness. Yeah, just there. Hardy's geez, he's break, breaking out the the movie the movie vocabulary. I love this. What happened? I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, time machine recast. Oh, you guys will like this one. We well, already mentioned this. Um, you referenced this, so I'm recasting. Gene Hackman with Rod Steiger's Sheriff Gillespie. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wanted that the whole movie. And I want to see how that works. <laughs> I wanted that the whole movie. I w- there's, kind of, there's parallels there. Obviously, one has a better ending than the other. That's for sure. So are we, are we putting... Are we putting? Oh, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no I'm no. not putting Gene into. Uh, oh no, it's not no, a full no, 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 no. All right. So, but is are you recasting Rod Steiger or are you recasting As Popeye Doyle? Rod oh, but he's playing Popeye yes. Doyle. Oh, I yes. thought maybe you were just bringing in Gillespie. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that character. Oh, that'd be good. Too. He's chomping down <laughs> with the southern. He's like, also works. I'm like I'm, I'm a bit off a little more logic to chew here. There's a lot going on up here. It's a small town. I like this. Both work. Right. Roy Scheider turns to him and says, "What are we going to do?" And he goes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Rod Steiger. Well, could you imagine? I mean Rod Steiger. Even Rod Steiger with that with that that with that character just losing it at the end, like Gene Hackman, like Papa Doyle does, he would knock it out of the park as well. Oh, he so would be Jay, great. I, he was probably too expensive. Jay, I, mean, I thought of, at that point. Jay, I thought, of, I thought of Steiger as the lieutenant. Yes, who I think is um, it's Eddie Egan. Eddie Egan. Yeah. It's Eddie Egan. yeah. 
But oh, the, the, they had a bit part. He I, just, I, I thought of him as, that as the one, you know, in charge. That yeah, would have been incredible. Yeah, but I mean, he was too expensive. Like we said, like they they were literally casting stunt coordinators and people who were part of the real story just so they wouldn't pay any SAG members. This is such <laughs> this is such a weird best picture movie to cover, where the recast and like the honorable mention, like the the participation. Are like the funniest things to talk about. Well, like, let's be honest. Usually, here. these movies aren't like that. Like MVP and LVP are the big yeah. things. Yeah, this is a this is a silly movie. Well, we don't, we don't do a ton of low budget movies. Mm. Like this is a low budget movie. Well, this is, a, this is like a this is a grab right. a bunch of shit and head to the streets and film a movie. Like yeah, get your wheelchair. Yeah, get your wheel. Yeah, we're, we're not using cranes. We're not using we, tracks. We're, we're not using dollies. Down. Like we're gonna put you in a wheelchair and wheel you around an active subway station. You know, yeah, I know, but it's during an era where all these great films are made. So it's like it's, it's at the beginning weird, of that era. Though. It's this. So good. It is. It's this weird, hard thing to wrap your brain around. It is. Beautiful it, it is a little beautiful hard. Decade. Think about it this way: three years earlier, the Best Picture winner was Oliver, which mm. couldn't be more of an opposite movie of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's and then, like, like you said. that's like a like a, a an over bloated musical. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm high on Oliver for the for the podcast. Good, yeah, but an over bloated late '60s musical and then versus they, this gritty New York cop story that doesn't have a script. <laughs> so they go <laughs> Oliver, like you said, they go Oliver, and then the next year they go Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, which 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 <laughs> but you probably said this is, is the, the beginning. first domino, Yeah, right? that's, that's what I'm saying. So Oliver one. was the end. And Midnight Cowboy is the beginning now. And then 70 is Patton. And then is Patton, which is kind of big. They're like, wait, what do we want? Yeah, that's do back. we want to so go it's, big? It's, yeah. it's, go, there is a little back and forth there. Yeah. And then we head into The Godfather. So, yeah. you know. Hey, well, then you go French. Then you go Godfather. Godfather, Sting, Godfather 2 is next. Yeah. French French Connection, Godfather, Godfather Sting, Sting Godfather. Godfather 2. Jeez. That's <laughs> a run. Cuckoo's like a, Nest. Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest, Nest Rocky. So, <laughs> what a, that's a, what a, yeah, a time to be alive. I mean, that's a run right there. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, so, Artie, you gave your line of the movie with your with the lunar trip to the moon. I love that. I love that's, that's, that, was, that was well done, well connected there. I have the pick and feet in Poughkeepsie, just just incredible. That was real, um, you know. Yeah, real. Uh, amazing. So a way of uh, interrogating is he would let, uh, well, Scheider's character, in real life, Grasso and Egan, Grasso would ask real questions, and Egan would ask random questions, and it would confuse the guy, so he would just answer the easier questions, which were usually Grasso's. <laughs> That's incredible. So it's an interrogation tactic. It, yeah. It reminded me of like when your parents Brilliant. like accuse you of a lesser crime, and you confess to it so they don't look <laughs> dig deeper and find the greater Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was... Yeah, uh, yeah, we was, know what you did, and you're like, fuck, and yes. like, you forgot to take the garbage out. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're yep, exactly yeah, right. So, so you want to ask yeah, me... Yeah, Jay, what's your... Jay, ask me my quote. It's um after they meet in DC, Boca wants to wait now, and uh, Shawnee wants to make it happen by the end of the week. They get back Great on the exchange. plane to go back to New York, uh, and Elaine's talking to Pierre and says, "Boca's scared. He sees policemen in his soup." And I thought that was great. <laughs> oh, that is a great line. line. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good line. Great, great. Like Pierre cop, goes, he's right. <laughs> great cop lingo in this. I love the frog stuff. Hey, we got the a frog, frog one, frog, frog two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, was the first class used to be in the back of planes? I guess that, so, because that was a nice little booth they had. I want to hang out in that little out. lounge. Yeah. Right? I don't love oh the idea God. of being on a '70s plane because it's the, the percentage wasn't as good as it is today. <laughs> but um, that was a cool little lounge they had back right? there. A lot of space. Probably a lot of cigarette smoke though. Yeah. In the '70s. Oh, all cigarettes. Smoking Every person was smoking a cigarette. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> smoking a plane is psychotic. There's limited air as it is. It's not easy to, to like breathe on a plane without smoke. One plane flight can give you lung cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fly to South Africa. It's like, oh, he died of uh, lung cancer mid-flight. <laughs> um, he developed and died from <laughs> lung cancer. Oh, it's a long flight. South Africa is an ambitious, he, an ambitious trip. He was clean when he left. It was an 11-hour flight. He was upstairs. Everything rose. And he's dead. Should have sat non-smoking. Not enough air. Couldn't uh, open any windows. Scene of the movie. Tricky. There's a couple of, of real gems in here. I definitely know mine. Uh, and I think, Jay, you said yours already, so I'm going to go to you, Jay, first. And we'll have already go last. It was that cat and mouse scene on the subway. It's mine, back, too. In and out, back yeah. and forth. So that's good. a clean sweep. I mean, that's I could watch that on loop all day. I yeah, really could. It is. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful 100%. scene, and it's it's amazing how many times my nitpick is in my scene of the movie. Because I got a little <laughs> bit of a streak going. Just to bring up something earlier, my point of not having a score at certain points. Huge. That was there's a great no point. score here, and it's it, it it works better than having a score. Right. And there's no score you could add that would make the scene better. So there is no score. Boom. Right. They don't do like, like that would just be campy. It'd make it silly. Yeah. It'd make it silly. So good. Cutting room floor. Tricky for an hour and 40 minute movie. It's more designed for the three hour and 45 minute movie. This isn't necessarily like take it out to make it shorter, but like, was there a moment or something in here you could have touched? I, I think Artie has hinted already where he's going. So I'll let you go first. Artie, what are you, what are you doing? When Gene Hackman's handcuffed to the bed that scene <laughs> like just i don't want to see gene hackman in a in any sex playing gerard's game whatsoever <laughs> so i'm just gonna remove that and enjoy the movie a little better okay. without seeing him going throw me my pant yeah throw I, me my I mean pant. i shut I, up gene i think in a movie where there was nice. a tremendous amount of character development through dialogue this was one that you got to you got to get a structure, the dynamic between the two. So I do think the characters that I I thought the scene was necessary. What it's do you one say? of the few scenes that are juxtaposing the two characters, right, and the differences yeah. between them. It's it's certainly sure. like more different than any scene in the entire movie. So I could yeah. I could. Get I mean, that. you don't need it. Jay, uh, do you have a do you have something? <laughs> so my scene was after the DC thing. If I had to, you know, talk. If I had to pick something. Do they have to go to? Wa I know they want to get the heat off, but do they have to go to Washington D.C. or couldn't they take like a ferry around Staten Island or something? Why do they go fly to D.C. to talk? He said I to flew to D.C. because since I've been in New York, I haven't had a, I, right. Like, I've had a cop on me. But the then whole they chose Grasso on the steps. They still there following them, so it's like I you know. think it had something to do with. I know the exchange is great. There was something about going location. to like literally the capital. Yeah. Where they could only get so close to someone Maybe as an right. armed person, or so I, 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 I felt that like it be. might have been a, like he might have explained that in the like Maybe commentary. Can't like, get only federal agents can get. They had to be a, a certain distance of the yeah yeah. They had to be a certain distance. What about when? <laughs> what about when they tell him that he's off the case, and they're just it's just them going to some random car crash. Right, they're walking up to the car. They're like, "What's this scene?" Oh, yeah. And they're just—that's him that? getting Who right. But it's like they're at a scene for something, but the dialogue is nothing to do with the yeah. actual reason this is, they're there. This is I an example. That was interesting. Yeah, this is an example of when you're when you're taking your you're leaning into the less is more, and we're not going to explain anything. That something that dramatic is kind of needs some explaining. Yeah, and like, it's who a fact. Were they? So like, so they were victims of the heroin over like. 
they overdosed on heroin and got into a car accident. It looked like they were shot in the head. Right, but they, they so they were heroin addicts who got into a car accident. So they were basically, they were aftermath of the suppliers. So they that wasn't explained so that's what properly. Spawned, that's what spawned A24. <laughs> I think that scene should have been cleaned up, and they needed a reason to get him fired a little bit, and they wanted to show some things. That's a good... That's a good... That's, a, that's the best answer. Think also I, I, cutting think, room floor. I think... The cutting room floor, that's the best answer. I think, I think that scene should be cleaned up. I think I'll go with that, too, because I didn't know yeah. that I'd really had an answer for this one. I was going to kind of... You think maybe it also shows, though, like Gene Hackman's indifference to the people that are dead in front of him? Like, he's talking about the case that he can't get his mind off of while these people are just Sure, but he's been that way the him. whole time. So. It, it is a good scene and it is a purposeful scene. I just don't know that it's well executed. So I think that should be that should be taken out and cleaned up. It, there's there's no we don't know the answer or the question to that scene. You know, it seems like they spent a lot of money on it to make it look the way that they is wanted the to, probably the mo- and course did, more and could only and could only shoot it once maybe and they didn't they didn't right. get it it was improv through and they didn't get through right. you know? so that's a that's a and that goes on your your screenwriting there too already there your LVP. Um, like a May over here. Okay, just one Oscar. So if this movie were to only win one Oscar with what it was up for, and if it were to win every Oscar except for the one, what would it be? So here's here's what it was up for entirely. The wins were Best Director, Best Lead Actor Hackman, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing. Those are the wins. And then it was also up for but did not win Supporting Actor Roy Scheider, Cinematography Owen Roisman, and sound. So we're going to pick one along with best picture. If it can only win one, who are we giving it to? And then if we're going to get them all except for one, what it is. Jay, what are you thinking? William Freakin. It's the Freakin Weekend, and I'm about to have me some fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm going to have some fun with you yeah. there. I, I agree. No, uh, best that, director. Yeah, that, the director, picture, take it home. Man, it's tough not giving it to some of these other ones, but again, that's, that's the category. So, Artie? I'm giving it the film editing. Film editing and picture win. Love it. I mean, that's that was the one that I was referencing that said it's tough to not to give it to some of these others because this was edited really brilliantly. It really makes, brilliantly. It, it saves. You know, what the about movie. the um and I, I I know you talked about when he's staking him outside of and they're eating the the food and you see through the window at him freezing on the cor- on the side of the road. I I wasn't seeing something. A car goes by. It zooms in and it's like uh, and, at, and we're supposed to assume two hours has gone by, right? And we all saw the so- same thing. He's trying to show time passing. You remember in Jaws oh. when someone walks by Scheider and it's like it jump cuts? There's a technical term for this. So Parasite does the same thing. When he's sitting at the table talking to the guy that sells him on the baby on the job of tutoring, mm-hmm. a van goes by in the background and he uses that to signify a change in the, the story. Awesome. Because it happens. I don't think I saw something. So, so that editing is brilliant. I mean, it's great. That I mean, freaking brilliant. Cinematography brilliant in that part. Brilliant. I'm saying he was brilliant to have that idea, but then you edit that. It works so well. It showed that he's been standing on that corner for a long time. Also, they've shown you French onion soup, which is an appetizer. Oh, the course. Them man. cutting a steak. French. And them yes, being served so dessert. Uh, so that's a meal. How long are they there? Hours. Yeah. Yep. And he's just standing there. When they zoom in on his feet coffee. and him moving his feet. That's yeah. why he yeah. throws the car out the coffee. Yeah. That's why he throws out the coffee. It's great cold. stuff. Yeah. And and I got to say, too, like, yes. if yes. you're a first listener to the podcast, Artie, you're not like you don't come out 
spewing editing, right? That's not no the, for you to it's you editing in the first sixty seconds of the episode. That's a that's a statement. It, that's a it statement. stands out in yeah. this movie. Well, now I'm a, now I'm, I'm an expert. So. <laughs> you moved from from cinematography to editing. Jay, I'm, I'm disappointed. I was waiting for you to bring it up, but you know I love my trains. I thought it was implied. <sighs> it was implied. We, sp- we spent an hour and 30 minutes talking about trains. Yeah, but I just want to underline it. I love my trains in movies. <laughs> um, trains yeah. in film. That, that'll that be my, uh, my 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 book when it comes out. Trains in film. And, and how'd you feel about the technology used? I was prepared for this question as I was getting in my car to come over here today. <laughs> technology. On point. Yes, on point. Can't complain. So but the- I, the, the, my only question was that. First class in the back of the plane. That's, that's I think what me on. and you have to go watch the conversation when it plays. I haven't seen it. I got to yeah. see it. Yeah. That section of the back of the plane, you mean heaven? <laughs> the place looks Thank amazing. Um, so what? It, now, now, now we have it, to. Now it's what should have won. won. Pretty much cut one. Now okay. it's what should have won that didn't win. Now we're now we're giving it to all of them except for one: director, lead actor Hackman, adapted screenplay, film editing, supporting actor Scheider. Cinematography and sound. We're going to be unanimous here. I don't think we are. Well, I'm adapted screenplay. Yeah, and I have a good reason why I disagree. And Jay, you're nodding your head. Is that yours too? Um, I'm looking up. Uh, and it won for adapted screenplay, by the way. The Jay's looking up words. Best actor speak. nominees. Uh, and I haven't seen any of these, so I can't make an honest opinion on that. I'll go with um, best adapted screenplay. Okay, so the reason why I'm, I'm not going to go with that is because... We've gotten on him a little bit, and and he was Artie's LVP. He he sidled my LVP. But like, imagine being the screenwriter who's handling rewriting a movie that's an adaptation, and the director has never read the, <laughs> the book that it's adapting. Like, yeah. there's a challenge there, and they're rewriting the movie on set. So as, if we're rewarding the pen to paper, then yeah, that's not a great win. But I think that the writing was poetry in motion. It was figuring this thing out on the fly. Yeah, but he didn't write that. He he was he a part possibly. of he was a part First of the of all, process. I don't, yeah. It was two. It was one. No, it was one. No, the, the award on went to, to him gotcha. and and Freakin was later credited but didn't get the Oscar for it. Listen, you're talking to someone who writes. So I I, I appreciate this guy. Yeah, and he won so there was there was a sense of, of what he did there as an accomplishment. And I do think he had an accomplishment. So I'm going to go with sound. It didn't, it didn't win, win sound. It didn't win sound. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to pick that as the one that doesn't win. I'm okay with that because I, I think the cinematography should have been rewarded. It's Wait, ridiculous. Wait, I thought it had it to have won the Academy Award. No, no, no. We're giving, it, we're giving, him, we're giving him every single one. Uh, except, except for except one. Except all the ones it was nominated for. So it wins one everything it was nominated for but one. has to win. And the second one is it wins everything except for one. Okay. You can you can pivot if you want to. Pivot. I might have went with sound on that. All right, one. he's a writer and he's moving to sound. There See, we go. I, I like think it. I think I'm, the sound is. But I'm also trying to look up. It's great. You know what it went up against. That's no. That's well, not it's fair. in a it's in a vacuum. We're in a vacuum. We don't know. We gotcha. don't know those screenplay. He's sticking with screenplay. All right, he's sticking with screenplay. <laughs> cool. um, I'm just I look at it like I want I want Scheider to have an Oscar. I th- I think cinematography should have should have won. Yeah. All the others got Oscars. Sound is the one that I can. Find. So. Yeah, the Scheider one is a tough. I, he should have been nominated for Jaws. <laughs> it totally should have been, and and and, and so oh, should have Shaw. I mean, Shaw should have a oh, thousand yeah. percent. Been. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Recommendations: If you just watched mm-hmm. The French Connection, where are you going next? 
Born Identity. He's brought it up a couple times here. It's a good choice. It's it it fits the vibe. It, French Connection is an early ancestor of Pe- the Born Pe- Identity. This movie ages alarmingly well, and people underrate it. Phenomenal car chase, phenomenal foot chase, and it's a really cool character. Guy just wakes up with a ton of skills and doesn't know what the fuck's going on, but he's got the skills. I picked a freaking freaking. We talked a lot about remakes last episode and the thing movies that should be remade and shouldn't be remade let's and let's maybe let's let's lean into some movies that were bad movies let's make them great so i picked one of a remake of one of my favorite movies of all time it's something that you'd be like how dare you do this like you shouldn't touch this but i really think that this remake works wonderfully and it's william freakin's remake of 12 angry men how dare you say this? I know, I <laughs> know, Jack but Lemon. that is my selection. Jack Lemon and George C. Scott as the two principals. Edward James almost in there. We have Tony Danza in the mix. Why are you doing this? We man? have uh, um, Tony Soprano himself, James Gandolfini in the mix as one of the jurors. Ossie Davis, uh, among others. You said Tony Danza. Tony Danza, yeah. Hold yeah. closer. Give this movie a chance out there for the people rolling their eyes. I, I, I think they make the right changes to kind of diversify the cast a little bit seeing some of these actors at this point in their careers because that's more what it's about if you think about like when a play runs for x amount of years and you get different actors hopping in on the play and getting a chance to perform it he wasn't trying to make 12 angry men better or different or anything it was he was giving the actors an opportunity to express themselves through an iconic vessel and you got to see it with these guys in there. And I, I I really, really think that this is a fantastic remake. It's worth checking out. You probably have to stream it somewhere in this movie. It was originally a Showtime, uh, a Showtime joint. And really? uh, yeah, so um, check that one out. The, the William Freakins directed a remake of that. So what's funny about that is, um, I have never seen it, but I will check it out. The blocking in the original 12 Angry Men is one of the greatest blocking ever. Which is funny because freaking, I have now have to want to see how the blocking goes in the remake because in the French Connection he talks about basically nothing was planned out, no blocking. We mm. just the camera's just following the the actor wherever he wants to walk in the scene. So I want to see how that works. Um, secondly, I have used the original Lumet Twelve Angry Men for my recommendation. There so you look go. at you now you do yeah. the cover. So now you have enticed me to go watch this remake. The cover, I like that casual uh, reference. That's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and and listen, made for TV, wasn't a, th- a theatrical it's release, a but good, you just named how many good actors with that material that has. I to forgot. Be good. Uh, I forgot a couple Tony too. Danza, yeah. w- well, William William Peterson, the guy from uh, Manhunter C- and, CSI. and CSI. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. yeah he's in there. Um, the guy who plays Bubba and Forrest Gump is is in there. I think his name's Bubba. I'm in. I'm in. Is who's who's the um. The main character, the, the the Henry Fonda character is Jack Lemon. Yeah, that's yeah, and man. the George C. Scott's the is the last say, guy, last say guy less. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, um, so I so I have one. Yeah, let's go. Right. I'm actually this is the one I this is the only category I actually prepared for because at the end of this film I felt like one of those classic movies where the cop descends into madness trying to solve a case. Uh, Jack Nicholson does it in this movie called The Pledge directed by Sean Penn. But my recommendation is f- to watch Insomnia with Al Pacino and Robin Williams, a Christopher, Christopher Nolan, Nolan film, because he purposely 
um, at the end when Gene Hackman shoots the cop and doesn't care, it kind of reminded me of when Al Pacino sets up this guy. I don't want to get into it, but Al Pacino does something dirty in in Insomnia. And the, and the ending of Insomnia is different than the ending of The French Connection. So if you like The French Connection and that character arc, please go see Insomnia. If you like Robin Williams, if you like Al Pacino, Hillary Swank, go watch Insomnia. There's another remix. We both had remakes ah, in there. Right? I didn't realize silly. There. Do you have any other examples of those, those movies where the cop has descended into madness because he cannot solve that one case? I love those stories. Mm. Um, seven, um, not seven, not that they don't solve in seven, but there's a story of a, of a cop, a cop at the end of seven. Yeah. yeah. Is, I mean, um, saw. Well, I'm trying <laughs> to think of, uh, Zodiac, 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 good, yeah. Good. Yeah. Danny Glover and Saw though. That's, That's awesome. This is it. All right. We're doing one to fives now. One to fives, one being the weakest, five being the strongest. I'm interested to see where Artie goes with this. Cause he's had a little bit of a, um, uh, you, you've covered the map here with this thing, so it's going to be good. So, per, so it's three categories. Performance is first. Second is how the movie looks, how it's shot, and the story and how it's told, the themes, that whole stuff there. So we start with performances. Jay, you want to go? Would you like me to go first? We're doing Do we, overall performances? Overall performances in this film. Four. Four. I like Hackman, Fernando Ray. I think all the ma- major roles are very expertly done. Uh, you know, Scheider's good backup supporting role yeah i i have a four too do you uh, you yeah, made I me feel like you think i was well, i just want i just you just give me a number i didn't know oh, you wanted okay. to add anything to it i mean oh, sorry. you know so, yeah it's like i'm filling out a scantron sheet um <laughs> c uh, the answer <laughs> is an audio c. medium this is like a, a textbook three in the sense that everything is completely tight mm-hmm. and then does anything add to there and they do and nice. and uh i like your uh, there's metrics a, we, yeah we have a we have a we have a, an oscar win we have a surprising Oscar nominee. No, none of the of the extra people are really distractingly bad, other than maybe the mechanic. Sal Boca, um, but <laughs> and Sal Boca, but he was just vanilla, he or as already put it, a flat. Bad. He was flat. He was flat. A lot of non-actors in the movie too, like Rain Man, like like non-actors in the movie that did uh, good enough jobs. Uh, give it that four. Give it that four. That that point. Nice. Artie, I'm giving it a four. Okay, knowing you said so much because I wanted to say a bunch, but um, there's a bunch of really good performances. Nothing like classic or like memorable that where we're giving it a five, but there was no one bad. It was hard to pick an LVP, except for the mechanic. And <laughs> so it's I a, check everything uh, under the sun except for that one thing. Except for the thing we need to check right now. Where it probably is. Now that that I say it out loud, that's probably where it is. (laughs) You know, 120 pounds of heroin is probably not under the manifold. I tore The car weighs 800 tons right now. (laughs) I tore that car upside down. I ripped it apart. I checked every single spot. Did you open the trunk? What? uh, The trunk? God, you do it. (laughs) Boards across the board. Four for acting. That looks... How it's presented on camera, how it's shot, how it's filmed. Uh, it's a five. E. Artie. Really? With the fiver. Yep. If we had asked you before the podcast at the beginning, what would you have said? Well, we didn't get to the Doesn't third matter. category is, yet. I got to be honest with you. I never write down my one to fives. I I've, always wait to the end of the I'm podcast in, to formulate them. We so. didn't, we didn't I, get I, to I, the third category I'm in with you guys on yet. that. We didn't get to the third category yet. But anyway, um, the way Very it's shot. The lead. The way it's shot is a is a five. Um, innovative, 
chase scenes, like not even chase scenes, but like just cops following people around with the focus changing and the choreography going on. I guess it all lends to film editing, but you know, that's the way it's shot and it's, it's a five. Like it's edited perfectly and really grainy structures. And I, I they built the, the character of the city with the shots like uh, New York City and then also France. I, I love it. I really loved it. The way it's shot is a five. Period. Yeah, this is a this is a Michael Jordan from the foul line slam dunk five for me. Uh, I this movie is, is goes out of its way to be different in how to make a movie and creates one of the you know one Fucking of the hundred movies ever ever made. Yeah, it's it's beautiful in its very own way. You know, in its very own ugly duckling way. You know, it's it's beautiful. It really is. It, and and um, the anxiety of that of that chase scene, knowing that they did that for real with pedestrian cars, is insane to me. Um, it's just, it's yeah. This is an. When we talked about in one of our recent episodes, is that you know how it's shot doesn't have to be Lawrence of Arabia, doesn't have to be out of Africa, doesn't have to you don't have to sweep over an entire continent. Sometimes. Is filming a uh, filming in a condensed space. I'm, I'm, Twelve Angry Men is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You can have a five uh, already um, movie you were on the best years of our lives. Another one where it's just sheer camera work. Oh. Uh, yeah, five. Jay, five. Yeah, William Freakin knew the look he wanted. He executed it. He stayed committed to it, and it's an iconically shot look. And and DP's my MVP. Yeah, easy five. All right, Artie, you're, uh, you wanted to flex a little on this third category here. Themes? Story, how it's told. Yeah, mm, themes. Two. Not a lot of thematic elements here. Just kind of a chase going on. So it was good in what it was doing for half the movie. But, you know, overall, a little lackluster. I'm going to go three. I do think that there is some profound visual storytelling here. But... I can't go all in on the visuals and the visual category and then carry that over to that. the yeah I, I can't I can't that. carry that over. I already yeah. credited that. Um, even in performances, the Gene Hackman performance win. It's a, it's a good win, but that's kind of like it's like lamb chop for meat on the bone. Like it's not like there's not like a ton of like dramatic stuff there. So like all this minimalistic stuff that made it really cool looking, elevate the performance kind of thing. When we get to what were we, what are, what story are we actually trying to tell when it's a real life story, mm, uh, you know, there's not there's not heavy themes here. There's there's a little bit of the the refinement of the high class bad guy versus the the gritty street quote unquote good guy uh, or 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 crime versus versus crime uh, enforcement. Baseline is being very fair with the three. I'll go with a four. Um, it's got a, a bit of originality. Not every movie is like this. Not every movie. Most a lot of movies exp- over explain things. Um, I I like that it was told like this because from the first scene I'm into the entire film. Um, is it is the deepest uh, best picture we've ever covered? Of course not, but I like the way that it's shot and the and the way they unfold the story um, in a never ending kind of um, chase, Tom yeah. and Jerry style. Very well put. Very happy that Jay gave it a four. I needed. I want. I wanted that spread across. Yeah, that we, was a good. We, we needed, needed a two, that. three, four. <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> so Artie, you ended with a four, five, two. I don't think we have a ton of four, five, twos. If you like, take all the numbers. Like how many? How, how many people have put a four, five, two out there? I have a. 
a four five three, which is also kind of a little different. And then Jay, you have a four, four five four. four. Very nice. It's not a who should have won podcast, but we do discuss the movies that were up for best picture in each given year at the end, whether we've seen them or not. And let's start. We've been talking a lot of In the Heat of the Night, so let's go to the Norman Jewison movie that was up for best picture. And it is the aforementioned Fiddler on the Roof. The three hour and one minute Fiddler on the Roof. Good thing it didn't win. It would have been on uh, different prep zone. In pre-revolutionary Russia, a Jewish peasant with traditional values contends with marrying off three of his daughters with modern romantic ideals, while growing anti-Semitic sentiment threatens his village, with lots of songs and music in between. It is a musical. It features Topal. It's like a Zendaya situation or a Madonna situation. He's got the one name. Is that a person? It is, yeah. It's an actor. Topal. Topal. He took the award away from Roy Scheider. <laughs> Is there an accent on any of those letters? T O P O L. No, it's T O P O L. Topal. Topal. Hmm. Oh no. Okay. He was nominated. He was nominated for. He was nominated for lead. So he did. He was nominated but did not win. Okay. Yeah, this movie. This movie only won for cinematography. I'm sorry. This movie won for cinematography and sound. So this beat. This beat French Connection for cinematography and for sound. Wow. What the fuck? I, I need to see this movie, I guess, because... Oh, I'm sorry. It also won for score. And do you know who did the score? Who? Well, it would be the great John Williams. So we can't complain about that one there. So Really? I, that's so what John, is this movie? So that's, like one of, that's one of John Williams. That's That's got to be one of his three wins, because he won for Jaws. Star Wars? He didn't win for jo- Star Wars. He won for Jaws and Schindler's List. I think... I think those are made. Did he win for E.T.? Indiana Jones? Oh my God. No, he didn't win for Indiana Jones. Wait, I wait, think he just wait. has three. Wait, no, what I'm is sorry. This movie? He's won five. <laughs> he's yeah, he's won very many. Name him. Executive producer. I love John Williams. What, wait, wait. What, what is the name? Topol? We have to watch this movie. N- well, Topol's the actor in the movie. Oh, what's yeah. the name of the movie? Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. Fuck that movie. If I were a rich man, I got da 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 Norman Jewishson is on a roll, too. Three and a half hours? That We could do that. So his so his wins are... Fiddler on the Roof was his first win. Okay. Next comes Jaws. Mm-hmm. Next comes E.T. So he did win for E.T. Artie, you were right. John Williams. Artie, you were right. He did win for Star Wars. Yeah. So he's got a really nice run. And Schindler's List is his fifth. <laughs> Probably nothing. Yeah, he's, he's nominated for anything he does. And then they Indiana got tired. Jones. I think he's the most nominated person, too. All right, up next we have Nicholas and Alexandria. That is a Franklin J. Schaffner film. We may or may not remember him from the great Patton, which we covered at the end of last season. I think he was Joey's LVP for the entire <laughs> season. <laughs> Joey was very upset with this man. But... Um, Tsar Nicholas II, the inept last monarch of Russia, a lot of Russia stuff going on here, insensitive to the needs of his people, is overthrown and exiled to Siberia with his family. Mm. Three hours and three minutes. Another. <laughs> I think the Academy was just like, yeah, hour 47, let's go French Connection. Here. That's why it was like the first one in a while where they would get Okay. I don't have yeah. time for this. Starring Michael Jason, Janet Suzman, and Roderick Noble. I haven't heard of any of those three people. So Haven't seen it, right? Have not seen it, no. I prefer a little uh, Zhivago. Give me that Zhivago. Yeah, if you're going to give me three hours in Russia, give it's me Zhivago. It's got to be <laughs> The last two are the ones that I have seen. Which one you want to talk about? I'm trying to figure out which one I like less. 
Um, I'll, I'll do the one that I watched last night. Okay, and this is Last Picture Show, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, who also just passed away. Wait, he's done a bunch of good movies. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, a, he's a great director. He's also in The Sopranos. He plays a psychiatrist in Sopranos. I think she, he plays the psychiatrist psychiatrist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, That's yeah, so yeah. funny. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I, I love Peter Bogdanovich. I don't love this movie at all, and... I did not enjoy watching it last night. Um, it is a wonderful <laughs> cast. It's a wonderful cast. Why uh, didn't you uh, like it? Uh, okay, well, let's see. Here, here it is. The last picture show. In 1951, a group of high schoolers come of age in a bleak, isolated, atrophied North Texas town that is slowly dying, both culturally and economically. Now, but it's I, love, I love myself some Texas. I love myself some black and white. I love myself some coming of age. I did not love myself this movie. This movie was I, I don't know I don't I I don't know What was going on this year? I don't know what this movie was trying to do. I really didn't to be honest with you. I, I the cast was was really strong. Listen to the cast. You, you're going to know and love a lot of these people. Jeff Bridges was nominated for supporting actor. This is a very young Jeff Bridges. He's like a teenager in it. Um, ben Johnson wins the the Oscar for it. Cloris Weech, Leachman. Cloris Leachman wins the Oscar for this supporting actress. Jeez, love, love Ellen Burstyn is up and loses. So this is like this has four supporting actor nominations love in it. the mix. Uh, the lead stinks. Timothy Bottoms. <laughs> it, it, uh, and that can sink a, a com- when you have the coming of age movie where the lead guy is just the like get stinks. this guy off the screen. Yeah, uh, it hurts. Um, the highlight of this movie is the wonderful, beautiful, formative Sybil Shepherd. Oh, yeah? She's the MVP of the movie by far. She's the, the best part of it. It's a really strong guest. Randy Quaid is in it. I think it's like the debut of Randy Quaid. Wow. You just, there's no connective dots here for me for this thing. It was, it dragged on. They, they It used like the sexuality as like a reason why I think. To move the plot, like like I'm supposed to be interested just because like people are having, I, I how is like the listen? Acting? I appreciated the sexuality. I'm not saying I didn't, but like I'm saying it just that's not a story. That's not storytelling. Just no, people having sex that. with each other is not it's have form. storytelling, right? The actors um, are highly nominated. You have two supporting, two uh, four total. The acting is good. The acting is 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 very very solid. It's just not. A cohesive, interesting story for me. And no, don't get me wrong; it's a very, it's a very fine, solid movie. But top, top hundred movies. It's on the AFI top one hundred. That's the reason I, I watched it for because I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish that list up here before the end of the year. I'm going on the uh, the GMO greatest movie of all time podcast with Tom Duncan. I'm going on that. I want to end it. I'm, and the last one I'm going to watch is Shane. That's the episode I'm going on with them. So shout out to them. Uh, but yeah, this was one I checked off the list, and man, I just didn't dig this at all. Great cast, great performances. I actually like the director a lot too. This movie was a huge miss for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Send me the email. Best Picture Podcast at yahoo.com. Send me that email if you disagree. I, I want the dialogue. Tell me why you think it is one of the greatest movies of all time because I just don't see it. Last one. Another beloved movie that I don't like. <laughs> this, is a hot, this is a hot take. This is a hot this, take. I know this It one. is a hot take. It's the Clockwork Orange uh, a clockwork orange, sorry, not the clockwork orange. In the future, a sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for a conduct adversion experiment, but it doesn't go as planned. Uh, oh, God. Um, Jake, you've seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. off, and I'll, I'll just 
This is like a classic Kubrick movie where you're just left in shambles or like startled to the bone about like what you just saw. <laughs> you ever like like every a lot of his movies end and you feel like you just been through something. Yeah, and no, this is another no, one. Okay. Um, it is the subject matter is dark. It's bleak. I only saw it once and I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I just I don't know home invasion movies upset me. It's, it's just it's what it comes down to. Dark and bleak. I, I, doesn't put me in the right place and I, and I don't have a good time. Is that and why you haven't seen The Strangers yet? That's exactly why I haven't seen The Strangers yet. And that's why I was extremely annoyed that I uh, saw another particular um, German movie uh, that I won't name the title because it doesn't deserve the recognition. Really? But, uh, enough to let people look it up in the late really? 90s. So. Clockwork Orange. Is Artie, is that one you've done? I have tried to watch this movie multiple times, but I've never made it through it. Man, Malcolm McDowell. Is, I do like, like the performance, and I like Malcolm McDowell. 108 on the IMDb Top 250, wow. by the way. I like um, Beethoven. <laughs> You know? I like Beethoven. I like Beethoven. So yeah, we're all agreeing French Connection. If you had, oh, the, I you think it's the... a slam dunk. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess I gotta see. No, uh, I guess I gotta see either the three-hour musical or the three-hour Russian period piece. But uh, do I really? Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, I do want to see Fiddler on the Roof. Was up for Best Picture. Yeah. Check the bingo card. <laughs> if Artie asked if a movie was up for Best Picture during the These Are the Movies Not In Best Picture category. What's the French Connection up for Best Picture? French Connection is a very different Best Picture winner to me, and I appreciate that. And I don't really appreciate these other movies that were nominated, so I think this is, this is a hell of a year. Hell of a year. Um, okay, that's it, guys. Jay? Um, just what you got uh, going on? What's going on? Thank, you, thank you for joining us. Great job. Thank you, guys. Had a great time, you know, going on this chase with you. It's it's good stuff. It was great. Uh, it was great standing out in the cold and drinking cold coffee and surveilling cold wine and surveilling the <laughs> uh, the scene with you guys. Artie? Good night, everyone. Hey, Kieran, I say we stay a little bit and stake out this <laughs> bottle of wine. We have some more surveillance to do here, <laughs> I think, maybe. I don't know. We, we haven't gone long enough. This four hours isn't, isn't quite long. Artie, Jay... All the people listening, all the fishes in the deep blue sea, joy to you and me. We'll see you for the holiday season coming up. It's going to be, it's going to be. Entered the witching hour, <laughs> where oh, wins man. become losses and losses become <laughs> where we even out our record at 500 very quickly. <laughs>
We uh, were doing so well. We I have to Can I please have the Sierra Nevada? I can't drink red wine right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like he wanted it when it was his only option, and now he found another option. Well, when there's nothing left. Yes. He wouldn't be interested in the tumbler. <laughs> we're interested. I, we're interested. <laughs> Thank you for the Sierra yes, Nevada.